you know, you get someone maybe begging you for a dollar <laughs> and you're trying to be nice, but you're like, yo, six feet. In New York, of course, yeah. like. I keep giving y'all money. I ain't going to, I'm going to be out here with y'all. <laughs> I'm going to start sneezing on everybody and shit. It's just going to be bad. So, um, yeah, they, and they have like a regimented format too. They got lines set up like tape marks marking which each like six feet is so that people don't cross the line so to speak yeah you know um, same thing in, same thing here hold that thought we're going to talk about that online we're going to talk about that live i love that good 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 shit three two one boom what's up people we're live and i'm with a man chris christopher manchez sanchez all right the episode episode 30 episode 30 starts right now Hey yo, you know. Yeah, well, that's come on, man. I, I think I have a feeling that was like creative in New York. Well, well, you know, yeah. that's that's one of those. Yeah. Of those so, so you, so you, so you, we were before we got on the show, we were talking about um. Just like Greenwich Village and like the homeless, there's a home, a little bit of a homeless ah. issue there. Social distance. Yep, yep. Homeless situation out here. Um, yeah, around this area, like 14th Street, there's a lot of uh, social services and uh, a lot of homeless. I got like uh, my, I got my like local guy who just right outside my door pretty much that I take care of, um, you know, every now and then drop him a little care package guy Lewis and uh you know I think he does well uh and you know hanging out six feet from him for like half an hour just to be like what's life like in his shoes and also uh I did a little video of uh the guys who are jackhammering right here on uh 6th Avenue not right now but um uh like last week and I just thought of like the poetry of of men and essential workers who you know they drill up the earth to to help lay a better foundation, um, it's it's uh, it's really something to see. You know, some people are really busy, and other people are like shut-ins and in their home. A lot of people are like scared to do anything. You know, nets nets have been taken down, so you know there's no group sports. Um, yeah, same thing and, here in Hermosa uh, Beach, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, and then and we know the numbers here in New York are high, so people take it very seriously. Uh, I still have like once once a weekend like a get get together with a friend for like a walk or or to pepper um, yeah man and that's just like a little bit of air in between a lot of stuff but i'm staying busy with school myself so yeah, yeah. uh it's funny how that has transitioned sae is is a uh, fairly staple school of, of New York. It's for audio engineering, school of audio engineering, SAE. But I will and see it, you soon. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be helping you with your podcast. Uh, you know, as soon as I learned about these mics, I just finished week one uh, today. And it's because it's Monday through Thursday class. Uh, I still have assignments to do and then a quiz on Monday. Um, so getting the roll of things. And we got a leg up, actually. The good thing about what, what's happening now is for – like I guess for people like myself who are going back to school now, if you have the gumption to do it, good on you because now you're going to have to learn to teleconference and that's going to be the way of the future, wave of the future just like we're doing now. This is going to be like I think more commonplace. So, no, no uh, doubt. 
kind of forces us to do to advance ourselves. Yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah, listen, uh, just we I've become I become an audio tech um I've I had to become one. Like the person that texts my show, Miranda Gagne, um, who's pretty good with this stuff with sight and sound, who's who's been teching our show and you you've seen her work at um Jeff Samuels who who knew a little bit about it. He's he's super sub. Last time you came in on the broadcast I had Doug Dougie Fresh, Doug Namashento. Um so a lot of the stuff I had to allow myself to make mistakes and learn and do, and kind of do it the hard way, much to the chagrin of the podcast. Some of the episodes are, you know, sounds a little different. I mean, you can hear all of them, but as far as like what we want, we're trying to be like perfectionist, Chris. Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Just just like when I moved here, just like volleyball, like you had, I had to be there were there was there were no uh, volleyball journalists like coming up we had to be journalists on our own like no one goes to journalism school and wants to cover volleyball they want to cover basketball they want to cover football ice hockey so so a lot of people that were doing media and um travis mirror god bless him um, one of the best writers in volleyball breathe breathe life into the sport um don't know if uh, journalism or broadcast journalism was his major i don't think it was but he um you know, some in this sport, and just like MMA, just I guess just like any alternative sport, you have to, mm -hmm. you know, you you just become one. And for you, like some of the stuff you're into performing, you're into sight and sound, you're into DJing. I, I, God damn, I heard you free. You know, I mean, we used to freestyle on the roof like a mother, like a motherfucker. Yeah. So, did, um, did my, uh, yeah, so did my my last hip hop improv show on the 28th of February. So staying with it, and yeah. maybe doing some stand up eventually, whatnot. And I hear you. Is that uh, up really somewhere? Sorry? Is that up somewhere? Oh, I, I don't have anything yet. Oh, okay. I'm learning to write it first. So before I before I uh, have it, I don't have anything for it, no material, material just yet. But I started working on it and actually got kicked out of my stand-up comedy class because like, yo, I'm going to be an emotional wreck and be edgy. I'm like, it's a stand-up comedy class. So, you know, yeah, oh well. you got to let comedians work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, they, they gave me full refund. They're like, all right, yeah, come back later. <laughs> <laughs> you were too, you were a little too over the top. <laughs> Too over the top, uh, but that's all right. You know, like it's good. It's good. Uh, reevaluate, reassess. Um, yeah, that's on them too. Come on, that's on them too. They tell you to take chances. They tell you to allow yourself to feel like an asshole, and then and then when you take chances and you're allowed to, you come on. What were you scaring? Yeah. Were you scaring the normal folk? Well, what what, no. what was that all about? I don't. I don't know. I I, I think I had a, uh, you know. Uh, sometimes there's uh, a couple of hecklers in the audience, and then and then you have something too ready for them. If you're too ready, they're like, "Oh no, fuck that shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like it's come back too strong. I'm supposed to win. I'm suing. You know? <laughs> Just a, a comedy story I heard from, or a story about comedy I heard not so long ago. I, I like what you're saying. It's true. I, I had that same mindset. Just the thought about. Like in terms of the pulse of the energy of the media that's coming into volleyball to breathe life into it. Yep. What are you talking about? Like I made a friend, AJ, and I told him, though, uh, as far as I know, the AVP is still, you know, first spot they're hitting is New York at this Not point. Not anymore. Oh, they, they said no, no more. They videos. just um. Well, last week I, f I found out from Deron Forbes, uh, my boss, who's the pro program director for Endless Summer and the founder of Beach Volleyball National Events. She's in the loop on everything. She's she's the Kevin Bacon. She's the six degrees of separation, and she said that uh, Manhattan Beach is off. And I had tickets, so I, I gotta you know figure that out too. So. Oh, you mean New York City is off? Yeah. 
New York City's on. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. I don't think the whole tour. I think um, they're still trying to work Hermosa Beach because that's the uh, weekend of my birthday. That's like July um, 26. Right. In I fact, the uh, 26th, which is my birthday, is a Sunday. That's the finals. Right. Um, right. Okay. And okay. I'm coaching that tournament, but on the off chance my guys don't don't even make the draw, much less the finals. I got box seats, so so celebrate my big five zero. Um, nice. You got, so, you got so, Earl Schultz again. And- um, Earl's right now is with a, um, P1440, and they offer okay. free coaching, so Earl made the wise choice of having to pay me or or get a bunch of hungry Brazilians for free. I, I mean, honestly, uh, f- because it's free, I choose them, but I think what he's missing is that nobody works as hard as me. Like, are those guys doing video room breakdown the night before the qualifier or the main draw? No, they're not. They just they just show up and they're Brazilian and that's good enough for everybody else, right? They're not doing video room breakdown. They're not doing, you know, five five ways to beat the team that you're going against. I'm I'm the one doing that because that's to me that's the only way I can compete with these guys who are not only have more beach experience. I have more volleyball experience. I'm 30 years in the, in the business, but they have more beach experience. But the only way I could compete is to be up longer than them. <laughs> you you could appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, absolutely, absolutely. That that's real work right there. That's yeah. really but, great but, analytical work. It's something. It's something. Um, and my experience is not you know, uh, like a little drop in the water in comparison to yours, but. Uh, from my recent experience, I went to the Canary Islands where a lot of European pros uh, train, and I was with uh, Jake Sheaf and Sipa Train out there, uh, two of the English pros. Yeah. And uh, they did the video analysis. We were doing two a days, and we had like a really great rigorous schedule. I, I really, I definitely uh, learned like the benefits of hard work. And I know, of course, like when you and I have gone out for a few drills, um, like when I've come to visit, there was a nice like little, a little like taster, but like. To do that that solid week out there, uh, more two than days? any other, two days, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we we and and the the weather was not super warm. It was like it was like sixties, maybe like high fifties in the morning, and then by the time it was the for the afternoon session, uh, it was it was like you know sixty eight Fahrenheit, you know. Um, so it was pretty mild. Um, you know, once the body's warm, it's perfect, uh, and. And it was it was uh, it was really good at like really drilling fundamental. It wasn't overly complex. It focused on very key basics, you know, from uh, serve receive to um, to uh, like pass. I like our pass the baby drills. Uh, you know, two balls during pepper. Pass <laughs> the baby drills. Yep. It overloads you. It was really good. Uh, yeah, things like that, and they, and they really you know stuck with like you know use these things, use these tools. Uh, also make sure to you know warm up. Obviously, half starting half an hour before we even uh, do our do our sessions. So, you know, a handful of us would get there and start stretching. I would do my usual like salsa or soca or you know some kind of dancing to like get my movement flowing, get my hips open, get my body ready. Um, since uh, since I got I got another year and a half before I hit forty. So yeah, you know, hour um, and a half. <laughs> yeah. Shut the front door, man. A year and a half, baby. It's a, that's right. An hour. That's all hour we are, man. That's dude. That's all we are. We just a a bunch of old looking, a, a young looking old dude. 
<laughs> Anybody that's watching, come on, be real. Look at this man. Do you see 40 when you see that man? No, you do not. Do you see 50 when you see this man? No, you do not. Um, what's one of the keys to just staying young? I mean, I got my own ideas and, and this and that. Um, I know that when you tell people how old you are, when they ask or whatever, they just say, you know, show me, show me some ID. Fuck out of here. Um, you know, like this and that. I used to get, um, I used to what's one, what's one of your things that you can offer to some people that keep you, that, um, that keeps you younger than you are? Uh, feel free to do stuff that you like to do. Like, um, you know, I know we all in our careers, we grind and we, you know, we get stressed. I had a friend that I just coached out of overstressing himself on the assignment, uh, that we have for our audio engineering. And my words to my friend, AJ, I told him, he's like, man, I got all these ideas to do this. And this, I said, it sounds like you're spreading yourself out, uh, further than what the assignment's asking for. Like right now, what our assignment is to, is to simply get the context and get the conversation rolling. And so just choose one person. Don't, don't choose to think of every choice. So he, he would overcomplicate what all those choices he could make was. And I'm like, listen, just choose one, one person. And then even if there's a lot of information on that one person, choose the things you want to talk about because you only have to have 200 words. So so keep it keep it in the mindset that there's a few things that you're supposed to take away and that's why our, we're that's why we're giving this assignment and don't make it more like that this is like choosing a mentor choose choosing the start to a focal point of understanding our field right so i said i said hey like keep it focused on that like what is the lesson do you think that our teacher wants us to learn by the end of this by doing this assignment then focus on doing that lesson not not that you've lost yourself trying to over overanalyze or overwork uh and and so when i say to do the things you like like the things that like keep you light and less stressed i mean i remember i was i was talking to a girl on the phone like she was really stressed and i, I came from a place and i was lighthearted and she was super serious and unfortunately that like broke our friendship but uh like it was that, that was something i kind of needed and i'm actually glad that happened too because I realized I needed to do what was good for me and doing what was good for me for those people who didn't care what was good for me, who wanted to be stressed out about whatever they wanted to be stressed out about. I couldn't fix them, but I could offer them advice and help. Um, you know, and, and so choose to be the best for you. Don't beat yourself up. Be gentle with yourself. Um, uh, and and I, at the same time, if you do want to be hard on yourself, do it in a way that you know you're going to push yourself well and do it. Not, not to, like there's there's such a line. Like as far as like artists and athletes, uh, people who who push themselves either like you know emotionally or physically, like both really. Um, I think it's really important. Obviously, like a lot of people say balance, but what is it? I feel like it's it's finding finding where you know how to like be cozy and comfortable with yourself, but then also how to get out of your comfort zone. Because if you can't leave your comfort zone, you'll never have success. So you gotta know how to have both, a balance of both of those, both a successful mindset, but also a, I'm okay with myself. And and right. whoever I'm even becoming in the process of accelerating, as you accelerate towards being, maybe furthering yourself into being a pro or furthering yourself into any field. Um, you know, there will be changes, there will be changes 
that will be affecting maybe people around you because it's coming from you. Uh, And just always, always, if you have a chance, like journal, record yourself, keep track of yourself. And that'll help you also notice the changes you're making. And it'll make sense when you look back because it's important to look back. And when you look back, don't let it age you. (laughs) Don't let it make you weary. Just let it be clarity. Sometimes, uh, and I I can be an emotional person, certainly, uh, having done like a lot of acting uh, and other things. Certainly acting work is about sometimes escaping into being someone you're not, but you're emotionally invested in being that person too. And so you understand what it's like to walk in other people's shoes if you do your work well as an actor. Um, because that's what you want to portray on camera. And if you're not living it, then people won't believe it. Uh, so so having, having been in a few other people's shoes in terms of the exercise of doing that work, and then also for myself in my own life situations that I made sure to <laughs> keep my own. <laughs> no, no doubt. Um, and know that they are my own. Um, it's, it's really great to been able to reach deep. I had a, a project I was working on uh, about domestic abuse, very heavy emotional uh, subject with a fellow, fellow uh, Central Park volleyball player. But uh, my fear was that she was too close maybe to the project and she took me off of it because I gave her feedback, honest feedback, which she was not ready for. And <laughs> sometimes people aren't ready for it. It's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Stuff happens. So how do you think I did? Well, um, you kind of need work on this. Fuck you. You're off the project. Yeah. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, I had this Abraham Lincoln, that that commercial, where she asked, do you think I look fat? (laughs) Well, you're going to ask Honest Abe how you feel about that fatness. wasn't that bad it was it seemed like she forgot we were working on an outline and i and i was like well you told me to give like my job is to tell you to do an outline and i just i wanted to help her focus on doing the outline but uh oh man that's all right well i i think you brought up something very interesting and, and i'm glad that it came particularly from an actor's perspective um Sometimes you they have this enthusiasm and, and as you know I'm an actor. I, I went to you know, I went to Marymount Manhattan. It's in the BFA program, it was very competitive at the time. Um it probably still is, but at the time they were number two in the country. Sometimes your enthusiasm works against you, right? You have all this energy and you have all this positiveness and 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 I think um and this I guess I'm using myself as an example, but I'm sure so many people can relate to me and you and you can, maybe not through personal experience, but just by communicating with other actors. Sometimes your enthusiasm works against you. Sometimes like you wanting it so bad makes you lose focus of, of the mission at hand. Right? Sometimes you when you're on stage, you you're not you shouldn't be on stage to say, I'm gonna be good. Just just be on stage and perform. Um actress, I forgot her name. I think it was um I don't think it was Lauren Bacall because she didn't do much Broadway. I'm bearing me on this. She said she did 100 performances, right? And there was a way that she asked for the uh, the sugar for her tea that just made the audience laugh. It was a Broadway performance, right? And for the next like 90 performances, um, nothing. No laughs. No laughs. And then finally, the last five performances, people started laughing again. And they asked her, they said, what did you do? And she said, I asked for the sugar instead of asking for the laugh. 
So, and it's very, very, I mean, and I'm, I'm talking yes. about a, a specific type of performer and an actor, the kind of person that knows they're good and everyone tells them they're good. And then when you're on the stage, instead of just being your good, being, being you and being the person that everybody loves, you feel like you have to, um, because you want it so bad, you want to make sure it's perfect instead of just, this is, instead of just yeah, being. This is, this is something I'm, I'm very familiar with, certainly. Uh, there's a difference between knowing when it's when it's uh, like once you know something works and you've heard it from the audience that it does. When you when you put in that expectation, like oh, let me just make sure to pause for that. And and now that you're expecting that to happen, um, you know that doesn't that doesn't work. You can't you can't excise control of what of how the audience is supposed to re react because then they'll feel it. It's not authentic. No, Anytime. it's not organic. And that's actually that's actually relating to what I was talking about, I guess, with the uh, with the uh, the film I I was working on as well, the domestic abuse one I told you about. It's the same idea. Whether you're writing or whether you're whether you're performing anything, um, if you try to control it, you're always you're gonna. It's kind of like when we say like corp. Can I say assholes? Like corporate sure. assholes, essentially. Like, yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> why we that are corporate assholes because they want to control things a certain way. But that control takes away from humbling yourself to the truth. Truth of what is really supposed to be happening uh, in the scene. Uh, when when a performer is suddenly aware of the audience, it, it can be a really negative thing. Um, you know, the, the performer should be based always foundation-wise in, in that reality of what they're doing. Just like just like a pro athlete should be very much engaged in their sport. But if a heckler pulls their ear or their focus or whatnot, because, um, and maybe, and sometimes I understand people play to the crowd. People play to. Which is also, but that's also expect. a type of player. That's also a type yeah. of player, right? You look at Casey yeah. Patterson, right? It's. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he eats it up. Good. And some people, they eat it up. They think they eat it up, but that's very fucking temporary. <laughs> And, Sorry, and, go ahead. Uh, and yeah, no, you're right. Like that's a that's a that's an impulsive short fire. I think of like Star Wars. You know, I think the dark side versus light side. Sometimes, uh -huh. yep. Because the dark side's about control. It's fear. It plays on imp like a very impulsive action. Whereas uh, I'll I'll be honest. Like the way I see you, I see you as a Jedi. Uh, Y2J. I, I see you as a Jedi because you're the one who's staying up late looking at footage analyzing, doing the work, doing what really will count. Uh, and, and I say that because those who depend on just their, their natural ability in the force and to just be able to know when power is there and to grab power, people who are focused on control and power will see it slip from their grasp because yeah. the moment that it slips from their grasp, they start making all the mistakes. Agreed. That's, 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 that's like that's how that's how some some of the best even lose their their focus because they're 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 too focused on I need to control what I can and they're they're grasping at straws instead of instead of letting their practice and letting what they really know what they fundamentally in their base from the inside know people people especially like in something like a sport we we think extroversion we think we have to be out we have to be just like a Broadway performers we think they have to be out. And when we talk about film performers and people on TV, they're more from within. And you can see the inner workings of within. 
it's a great balance to see if you can do something within without. I'm, I know I'm talking into like some of the meditations I've been. No, no, no. This is and it's it, it's amazingly similar that the for volleyball and and theater has this one thing in common that the the most talented are not the most recognized. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's and that's where the hard work comes into play. Like, I do yeah. think I have the gift of gab, right? I want to be a commentator. I think I'm better than 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 70% of the volleyball commentators out there and and, and half of the people in any and in, in every other sport more better than 50%. I'll just be in self honest. Um, but as talented as you are, there's always someone that's just as good. And there's someone that's better. And there's someone that if they're just as good, and if they if they know that person, you ain't getting that work. They get in their work. Um, tie goes to them. <laughs> and that's assuming it's a tie, <laughs> you know? So, so, and it's the same thing with theater performance. Like how many times have you gone to an audition and but they already me, knew, I, I wanna, and they wanna, already knew who they were going to cast before, before yeah. you even went up there. Yeah. I want to, I want to interject because I know, I know there's like what seems like only a certain amount of opportunities, obviously, because there's a position that you're both vying for and you know you're both putting on great work but if you're if you're both jedis like i just said like if you're both you know both about doing the work out of like compassion and, and yeah. love and it's coming from a good place from within because you love it because uh -huh. you love doing it and you you love the contribution that you feel you're making if that person feels the same, same way then i think the mutual respect will be there for both of you and then yeah um, like if, if you're if you're both on your like hey, let's appreciate like that we appreciate this about ourselves and we're both doing this thing. You doing what you do like now by doing this podcast and doing yourself, you're creating your own opportunities. So even though you had you know, maybe a position that didn't fall through for you and the other person got it, you keep on and you create opportunities. The, the market grows because you're there. Because yeah. you, you attract the energy to yourself to have it come to you in a yeah. way. It's, well, that, for, for me, go ahead takes patience it just takes patience. it doesn't mean that we're always going to have it right when we want it but it will come because people people who who you know are attracted to say for instance the volleyball just like i've been really newly attracted to being more of a spectator and you know the two years and and i i bring out my own little bit of expression i'm sorry i'm looking for something here no uh, look oh, away and and it's just like to be you know sometimes yeah paint some bananas and stuff you know some <laughs> oh my god i really wish i had a picture right now i was gonna put it up on the podcast well, you, you, you were... freeze, frame, freeze frame it later yeah you all about those bananas um, the last the last few avps it's, too it's a little form of expression that makes me happy i think it's it's uh it's my way to stay young like uh, another answer to your question from earlier yeah. it's my way to stay in touch with my inner just innocence and brightness that uh you know needs expression and uh it, it it makes me to to accept that i have this you know out there quality of my own uh makes me welcome others who have any of their own out there qualities of themselves and it's a, and chris it's a really good energy people want to people want to be around personalities like that people want to be around you people like being around you uh, my birthday was last year you came through um, and I remember you. you were supposed to meet me Thank somewhere. You. We were supposed to meet somewhere. And I was like, 
fuck, if this guy gets there early, he's going to be freaking waiting for me or whatever, and this and that, I don't want to wait for me. And I, and I get there after, I get there later, and you're already surrounded by a bunch of people <laughs> that neither one of us met in their lives. You were already, be, you, you, you inserted yourself into the party. And I think that, like I said, that kind of energy, people need, like being around you. And here's what's kept me young. <clears throat> um, you know, did a stint in the military, Army, you're Air Force. We're both vets. God bless us. Thank us for our service. Okay, you're Thank welcome. You we'll get that award. Um, so physically, I knew how to work out, and I knew how to uh, do things that keep me young, and I knew certain exercises that, that have uh, better for the long game and like last longer where you don't have to constantly maintain this this ridiculous four hours in a gym standard that make us in, in, shape, in better shape than people that put more time in. So got married, got divorced. So what I did was I just started working out and I consumed myself in volleyball and theater and that kept me young. And then after a while, I realized, um, to quote my guy from The Wire, if you ever saw The Wire on HBO, Nick, uh, uh, Detective McNulty just kept taking these cases, kept taking these cases on, you know, banging women, you know, behind his wife's back. And then finally at the end, the last season, I forgot what his name was, um, the guy who was doing the... Um, the trinkets that was making like the toys, the trinkets. He said, the job can't save your ass. The job can't save your ass. And when I realized volleyball can't save my ass, um, I've evolved again. So military's kept me young. After my divorce, I became a better version of myself. Let my hair grow out. Look like Y2, Y, look like Chris Jericho. That's why everyone call me Y, Y2J. Yeah, oh, this is, <laughs> this is, ah, this is cut, baby. Um... So, so that, that evolution kept me young, best physical shape, best mental shape, went back to school, finished theater that kept me, you know, young. And then my biggest strength as a coach and my biggest weakness is, are, are the same thing, Chris. I personalize my work, my strength. I personalize my work. I'm living in the video room like a hermit. So it doesn't, so the job's never done until I'm sleeping. So that if I work longer, even if I'm not as talented, I'm going to be better than a lot of people. My weakness is I personalize my work. Because sometimes when you think you deserve it and you don't get what you deserve, it hurts. It fucking hurts. You know, and yeah, then and then all of a sudden, told. then all of a sudden, no, but then all of a sudden you start. But then all of a sudden you start um, saying, why the hell did this guy get this job when I when I, I did more work? Why, why, you know, when all I'm getting is positive feedback, everybody wants me for that job and they're getting that person. And then you start um, what I call um, becoming what you hated because it's something I hated when I moved here is the validation game. Oh, what's your rating? You know, volleyball. Oh, what, what's your rating? Oh, that guy's doing Oh, this and, and this whole thing. Oh, I, I won this tournament. It's just sickening to New Yorkers because New Yorkers, we don't give a fuck. We don't care. It's about how you treat people right here, right now. We don't care about all that stuff that, that you think makes you a better person. But when you get rejected, guess what happens? You start becoming what you despise. You start playing the validation game because you feel like you've been unfairly treated. So my last evolution, Mr. Sanchez, was when I realized wow. if I don't have to do something and I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. That kept me young. Sorry, it's... it's... It froze. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris, last evolution, and just listen to this last part. There came a time a couple of years ago, and you were, you might have been around for that, that if I'm in a situation where I don't have to do something and I don't want to do it, I'm not going to fuck, don't fucking do it. I'm not going to do it. And that's, that, that is a backpack 
you know, backpacks are good for hiking, right? Put some books in there, you know, whatever, stay in shape. No, release the backpack. That's what keeps you young, man. Don't step in the BS, release the backpack. If I don't have to do something and I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And that, that, that's great because nobody lives rent free in my head. Nobody, like, nobody controls how I do my narrative. This, and that's what makes this podcast possible. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was letting that catch all up. There was a few times I wanted to interject, and now I'm like, where where should I go with that? <laughs> you go but, one um, at a time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe start from the present, backwards. <laughs> backwards. I know, I got to like go reverse. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody likes to be told, manage your expectations. Um, but we often do have to manage our expectations. Um uh, we, we, you know, we have, we have obviously came into a different form of life. You had to adapt. I know what that was like when I went from public school in New York to private school, right, right after Giuliani cleaned up the, cleaned up the city, like, plus my grandma had passed away. Like my life was turned upside down when I went to private school. I, you know, uh, mom was making money cause she had, you know, um, recently graduated from Columbia law, you know, got, got a lawyer job. And, and I viewed people as like snobs or, you know, as people I didn't want to necessarily associate with when I got to private school, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to really make friends there. And you know how, how I am, like, I love to make friends, but this was kind of before I guess I was quite the person, <laughs> even half the person I am now. Um, and, and that's like, that's sometimes the tough thing about transition, you'll, You'll you'll have your mind say, oh, there's all these reasons for why not, and then your mind will say, oh, there, I had all these reasons for why. So if it seems like everything's working for the why, and you you get one big, it seems like one big thing to tell you like why not, because it's what you were going for. Um, I mean, you can always appreciate the fact that if you don't get it, like you have now worked yourself into being someone who is ready for that, and even though it didn't come this time, you can get it the next time. And if you don't get it the next time, maybe there's something better for you. Maybe there's something more where you're meant to go. Um, and people think that they have to narrow that focus into that one thing. But maybe you're pulling yourself to be, you know, we all are dynamic people. We all have sides to ourselves. We can only focus in on one thing so much. And if somebody else, if somebody sees that that person fits whatever it is that they want, whether it seems like they have all the information or not, you know, I... Like I said about the film, I know I come back to it. That was my issue with what they considered an executive decision. But I could clearly see it was an emotional, uninformed decision. And that was very tough for me to take. I, I, uh, I definitely hate having purpose snatched away from me. Um, because I wanted to work on the project for uh, my own, like, dad's history. And so I, like, work through stuff and... and uh, you know, we find our purposes in many things, in many callings. Uh, but when we do have a calling, um, I feel like, um, and let me not lose your hair. I know I'm going like this. This is to encompass pretty much anything. Like Dude, this a is a podcast. This is why we're here. So keep going. Good. Good. When it comes to calling, I mean, uh, there's such a, a dynamic array of all the coloring of who we are, you know, whether it be emotionally or whatnot. Like sometimes it's good that you got angry to kind of like push away from something um, that was toxic for you. And other times, 
Um, so if emotionally you're like, oh man, I didn't get that and really seemed like that was for me and you push off a bit in a good way, um, that you're clear headed to say like, well, I'm still working on me. I'm still changing me. I'm still bettering me. Um, and you stay focused on that and you won't, you won't let yourself get stumped. And trust me, I, I've been stuck and stumped plenty of time to know. I know, uh, trying sometimes to be into certain roles yeah. where they were darker roles. And I thought like, oh yeah, this will be fun. But uh, there's emotional times I'm not recovering well. Like I remember uh, I had an actress girlfriend, you know, Destiny for three years. And um, she and I, like depending on which roles we were pursuing, it would be tough to come back home. And then like if it had been one of those days that required a lot of emotional work, we still needed to learn how to shed that and be, be ourselves again. And I, and that's something specific to acting, but I think that also comes with the intensity as well with sports. Like we come off the court and the person we were on the court was the intense version of ourselves. It's that intense, like we're here to win. We're here to like do these things. Um, and if you can be composed with intensity at the same time, that's, that's, that's back to that, like light side of the force. That's like really working it all out. Um, certainly acquiring uh, power by you know training yourself the right way with all the drills but um, but also composure you know mental game that was uh, one of the things I liked about my training oh what I didn't mention even though we had two days guess what we did in between we had a sports psychologist every day Emma uh, uh, Emma Cavanaugh really awesome really really awesome uh, we had her for pretty much an hour every day um, to talk about mental game strategies, uh, pacing, to talk about association and disassociation, um, games like what's there and what's not there with like cards, which is to also make you think of what's there and what's not there on the court. You know, obviously if the defender's not there, where do we want to hit the ball? Or if, uh, you know, if we do see something's there, uh, then how can we, is, are we able to use it, tool it, break it, bend it? to our will, to our ability, to our strength, with our strength. Um, and and sometimes, and it's certainly not something, it's tough to do that kind of internal work with your partner when you're on the court. If you've already done like internal work with your partner pre-game to already know what kind of strategies you want to put in place so that you're on your toes and you're with your partner and looking forward like Sun Tzu, like if you know your enemy, <laughs> you will always win. If you don't know yourself, you will always lose. So. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, I mean, I love volleyball as an example. Yeah. I yeah. love volleyball as an example because compared to performing, compared to perf performing and, and everything I was talking about, like getting, you know, putting the work in and, and uh, keeping your promises, not getting caught up in the validation game, volleyball is easy. Dude, volleyball is easy. Volleyball is a break. If take everything uh, for all of my volleyball people listening in right now, I want you to take everything that we we've said about volleyball and you multiply that by five. And that's what you have to do for film acting and for theater performance and for comedy and 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 the level that 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 Chris Sanchez is talking about, right? Just like volleyball, there's levels to this thing. You were talking about visualization. Right. Well, let's say you visualize a cut or, or, or like a high cut. And if it's there, you take it. And if it's not, you deviate because on, on a certain level, it's easier to deviate from where you're going than to just be up there just floating in the air and not knowing. And th those those, in my opinion, as a coach, 
um, results in the most hitting errors on offense. If you have a visualization and if it's there and you take it, you're, you're almost always, and if you practice it, you're almost always going to hit it. You know, but again, there are levels to that. Like there are people that play the game so long that, that there, 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 is, there is no visualization. It's just see, react, attack, <laughs> you, you know? But, but like I said, take that and multiply that by five, man. I, I give you acting. <laughs> I give you performing. <laughs> nice background, man. You're in a uh, village? You're in a Greenwich Village right, right now? I am. I am 6th Avenue between 12th and 13th. And this, this kind of background looks like a comedy cellar, which is famous. Uh, uh, like if you've ever seen Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel or any of the Netflix special. Uh, I've been the comedy cellar. Ray Romano, and of course, you know, uh, right there by Black, Black Fat Pussycat. Um, oh, you know. that's when we sing karaoke. <laughs> I'm like right by there. Pick up the uh, falafel place. My moods is still open, so I swing by for a little baba ganoush uh, sandwich uh, once and once and again with my uh, fly mask on. That uh, Aruk Chirvani, uh, one of my fellow volleyball players, uh, yeah. designed for me and gave me one for mom as well. Awesome guy. He's Black. been making. He's made over 1,500 masks and donated tons. Like he is a hero. He's a fashion designer from Mongolia, and he's been busy every day making masks. Um, this guy is nonstop. I thought we were going to hang out the other day. He's like, I got to make more masks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. All right. Well, good to see you, and thanks for the masks. That's uh, right. Black yeah. fat pussycat. For those of you listening, I'll say it again. You didn't mishear that. Black fat pussycat. For That's those of you well. that don't, you know that you know how some people they can't wait for Friday to come for for people to just say to hell with Friday. Uh, I want my Monday to be my Friday. This place Monday night was like, it, well we we were there performing right. It was karaoke. And when you're in a village, yeah. let me tell you something. This singing karaoke and this good karaoke and this bad. When you're a black fat pussy cat, and every and that's in the village. And you got these NYU guys and the, the you know performing. You got these the these these just these amazing from drag to straight to the guy the queens from Chelsea from the guys from 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 um, Brooklyn yeah Harlem just these awesome poets uh, and singers and performers and Everybody it's a concert village. every Monday night, dude. So yeah. for so Black Fat Pussycat, ladies and gentlemen. When you walk in, it's a bar. It's a bar and kind of a grill, like a, bar, a quasi bar and grill. And then you walk through another room and it's a lounge. There's couches. There's a love seat. There's a big ass throne. I sat my Brooklyn butt on for my birthday. There's a throne. There's, there's a king and queen throne. Yes. And then you go downstairs yes. to another room, live band, live music. Or a music. comedy show. Or a oh, comedy yeah, yeah. show. It could be, could be anything. Yeah. 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 Now, check it. First time I went to Comedy Cellar, was when, um, and of course I'm giving away my age, when um, Bill Clinton got his pee-pee sucked on by uh, Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> he, he, oh. <laughs> so one of the comedians is like, oh, he basically said the same thing Chris Rock said. He's the president. He's supposed to get hit. <laughs> and this guy's right. like, yes. wait a I second. Really it's supposed to be a perk, right? <laughs> You're a president. You can't get, you can't get ahead. Can't get ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, here's here's how I feel about this. 
If you want to get your PP sucked in the Oval Office, go ahead, do it. But what you don't do, you don't um, go on sweeps night. Like in the 90s, that you had ER. Like Thursday was a good, you know, Seinfeld. You Thursday was a good night for TV shows. People, you know, people say, oh, I, I hate TV. I don't like TV. Shut up. Shut up. You like TV. Admit it. TV's gotten a little bit lazy with the reality shows. There was a boom period for that. But Bill Clinton goes on Thursday night interrupts everybody's broadcast for him to to bang his fist talking about he did not have sexual relations they weren't pissed that he got head <laughs> no, nobody was. and they were pissed they were pissed because they interrupt he interrupted everybody's favorite show to said that he didn't <laughs> uh, right? yeah yeah truth of the matter yeah. is timing truth of the matter is timing so yeah, Facebook Live says they got my sound, but not yours. Um, but on the recording device, you're you're good. So um, right now we're I think we're okay. Yeah, I think right. we're okay. Oh, okay. So they're not hearing me too well on the live just now. But well, they um, said she. Well, Lolly, if you remember Lolly, volleyball of player, um, she's of she's she's tuning in. She's saying hi. She um said that I have sound, but hi, you Lally. don't, which I find which I find very bizarre. Um, that I okay. can't make heads or tails of that. I might. I'm. Um. Yeah. Lolly's pretty cool, man. Lolly wants to get into the sport. Uh, Lolly's seriously. also making. Lolly's also making masks. Also. She yeah. Is? Lolly's also making masks. She's uh She's in a uh, a group I have. Um, uh, WhatsApp group. A uh, bunch of people in there called the CPVB uh, fun group, so we can, um, you know, kind of see what's what. Sometimes people sh like I share. Sometimes I share music or things that I find uplifting. Sometimes, uh, like Abraham's, Ibrahim's uh, sharing a bunch of uh, volleyball videos. And, yeah. Uh, and we're just uh, we're talking about you know what's up and and whatever. Um, uh, at the moment, because of COVID, like keeping up with each other and and uh, you know providing each other an outlet to to you know whatever whatever's cool whatever's clever. Yeah, chilling like a villain on penicillin. Killing it, killing it like Bob Dylan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. So, talk to me a little bit about um, the Air Force. Oh, Short. Air Force. We we both we both. Um, I was in the Army for a cup of coffee. I did three. <laughs> I did three years. Right. I did three years. Um, all three of my years overseas, except for a boot camp in AIT. I did boot camp in Fort Knox, Kentucky, um, and I did AIT in Virginia, Fort Belvoir, and then spent my entire tour in Darmstadt, Germany, and or Frankfurt, and then Darmstadt. Uh, of course, went to Italy, went to Kuwait, went to Switzerland, went to Morocco. You know, I got to travel around because I supported MI, so wherever they went, I went. And. I and I got to play professional volleyball. They released me six months out of the year to play for Darmstadt's club team. I, um, so basically, my my um, um, volleyball thing was military community team. Uh, tried out for the army team, made that. When I traveled with the army team, I got picked up by a club team in Germany. And um, I saw someone get a request for a release for rodeo. Oh, he yeah. was in Spain. My boy did it for rodeo. And I was like, wait a second. I could do this for volleyball, right? So I put okay. in the request for a, a release, uh, X amount of uh, um, time to play to play in the regular season, and everybody's like, "Dude, who do you think you are? This ain't Beverly Hills 90210." But my sergeant major uh, uh, came into the uh, saw a game, 
just like a company like Alpha Company against Delta, like a finals. And um, I single-handedly, I was in my prime, I was a young pup, and I single-handedly won that game. They had some talent. Listen, the Army's got some talent. When you got a bunch of guys from Alice Samoa, from Guam, from here and there, uh, that already play volleyball, and the military put, you know, boot camp, you're in the best shape of your life. That's, that's some real ballers, dude. So I single-handedly won this, and the sergeant major saw the game and then whispered in the colonel's ear and said, let, let this guy, uh, this is a good, call it a public relations mission. Boom. There you go. Talk, there you go. talk to me about the Air Force. Nice. Um, so in the Air Force, I originally was going to go in as a linguist, which is an intelligence. I did like a fake language test, a D-Lab as they called it. Yeah. But unfortunately, I admitted to smoking a little pot in high school. I didn't realize I shouldn't have done that. But uh, so I couldn't get my top secret clearance. Yeah, I didn't know. But uh, I had come in after doing a year in college at University of San Francisco because um, I wanted to like see California a little bit. And then mom's like, you got to pay for school because I was still a bit of a troublemaker. And I was like, I, I, I'm going to use it as a stepping stone. This will be good. Uh, I ended up doing graphics design and audiovisual. And I'm now going more into the audio end of that audiovisual. Um, and I was stationed in Germany for two years as well. But was it uh, Rheinmine or Ramstein? No, neither of the big ones. Spengdalem, a fighter base, which is close to Luxembourg, about 40. I know it's like bumfuck nowhere. It's like middle of middle of Rhineland Falls. Like you got some wine fests and pig fests. But you got uh, Bitburg, like uh, Bitte ein Bit, Bitburger Bier. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, but it's like 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes from Luxembourg, which is like the only place I could go to see like a film in English other than maybe like the one they were playing on base. So I would go to Luxembourg to like catch movies and, uh, and, uh, travel around. Like I, I was fortunate to have like three day weekends, like every two months at least. So I would be like, all right, Rotterdam, uh, Prague, Paris, uh, London, going to Kerry, Ireland, uh, taking little trips and then for leave I took two weeks in Spain and uh, you know I worked what I had mom Spain? what part of Spain I had, so I, I started in Malaga uh, where Picasso is from also where Antonio Banderas is from and then I continued through <laughs> Madrid and Barcelona I had mom jo- join me for that because I thought you know cultural check museums out uh, and then I did very much a nightlife thing in Ibiza at the end of that trip uh, yeah. but uh, I was there for the yeah. Olympics there you go oh yeah Nice. Oh, Barcelona. Yeah. The, yeah. the Olympic grounds. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was Before at the Olympics grounds just, just really for something. a minute. I got to see USA play Japan, the opening match. And then, uh, I stayed at this, um, hotel that had like a house music club and it's crazy. We party all night and have breakfast oh, 11 in the yeah. morning. It was ridiculous, but sorry. It's one of, no, Barcelona is one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, I went there like I had a spring break. I was very lucky to have my senior year of high school in Italy uh a canadian school in italy um and that was like spring break barcelona when it was still pesetas before the euro and like things were a bit cheaper still so it's nice um and uh oh yeah so air force i finished up in alabama maxwell air force base is where officer training school is so i would have two auditoriums i'd work for brigadier general so-and-so and uh one of the captains i worked with i remember he gave me this cd kind of like a a nudge nudge he's like hey this is the song uh, they play when the red sox beat the yankees i was like thank you thank you for this going away gift they could <laughs> hey you that know what I, I, I just kinda, they, I they could have their one <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they could have their one. They could have his one. It was all good. It was fun. But yeah, it was it was uh it was it was uh it was very it was four years uh total. Uh I I didn't I didn't like the experience at the beginning because I didn't really know what to expect. Like the first year is basically like, you know, kind of like getting used to it. But after that I, I did like it. Um I really liked being in Germany, uh obviously because of location to a great degree, but uh the bonds and friendships I made there, um, uh, you know, the the ones that I did like I'll never forget. And are, it's it's irreplaceable. I people I still talk to that I'm I'm really grateful for. You know, people that you maybe got drunk with and helped you get home, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, like you know, looked out for each other. All right. Uh, took yeah. a took yeah took a few trips with some of those friends too, and we saw each other through some crazy trips. Good times. That's the one thing I didn't get a chance to do outside of volleyball. Like volleyball, we got to travel around a little bit. But um, when I took leave, I always came back to New York. The The only places I took trips were for missions. You know, like I wound up in Barcelona because we, we were in Sardinia and we ended up doing some kind of crazy end, end around that wound us up in, in Spain. And everybody mm. saw us in battle dress uniforms. Hey, you want to come and watch the game? I was like, hell yeah. You know, I'm playing. I'm, I'm a baller. I want to see these guys, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's very, very similar to to um, Central Park, where there's a special group of people that you associate with. Uh, no, it's different, and it's not the same. I'm not trying to say they're the same. But it's very similar where you are joined joined together, and you have this bond that, that, like time, that, that, that belongs to that time period, and it'll never, it'll, it's irreplaceable. It's irreplaceable. What, what, do you, what do you think I miss about New York more than anything else? I miss Central Park, dude. Central <laughs> Park, for everybody listening, it's just a group of volleyball players who are like B to A to double A to open to this mixture of people that, that play ball overseas that are just in New York for the summer. Uh, you know, guys from Italy, Russia, Brazil. We had some guys from, you know, Esteban from Argentina. Um, uh, count, countless amount of Dominicans Poland from Japan. Yeah. Yep from uptown and i mean not to mention new york is a is a melting pot on its own i mean it's yeah. right yeah. you got the, the the chinese from chinatown coming through the koreans from flushing the russians from brighton beach the Polacks from from south brooklyn the dominicans from uptown um the italians from bay ridge it's this place where we would play cards. We would order food. For people listening, they deliver food to us in the meadow. <laughs> Central Park pizza, Chinese food. We play spades. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh, got it. Mojito Partnerships. <laughs> Mojito J. Okay, Mojito J is a guy that had a battery power battery powered blender <laughs> that would sell five mojitos for 20 bucks. Yeah. Is that yeah. my right? Is that it? Five, five mojitos for 20 bucks. Yep. Yep. That's the deal. That's always the deal. Mojito J. And goes and, and teaches uh, like boxing uh, workouts like on the lawn on, on Chief's Meadow right in front of it, you know, yeah. as well. Like I see him with his groups of people. There's um, probably close to 100 of us deep. I mean, if, we, if I had to go deep, just like all levels of volleyball players, it's close to 100. And the, and, and level, the, the level of play is not as unique as as what people's occupation was when they weren't playing volleyball that somehow brought everybody together. It is the only thing, and, and, and 
I'm, I, I, I don't like saying it's the only thing, but it's one of the only things, the only venues in my life that I saw that brought all of these class structures together. This person's a senior partner at this law firm. That person's a file clerk. This person's a, a, a physician. That person is a bike messenger. This person's a, a professor at Columbia. This person, you know, just graduated Columbia, played for the, the women's volleyball team. So it was this, this utopia of just extraordinary human beings that only Central Park Volleyball um, could have possibly brought together. And I know there are other venues where that happens, but because I'm a prisoner of the moment, um, it's the only way I can get the people listening to fully appreciate uh, uh, making the impossible possible. Mm-hmm. You know, having such a great diversity, and, and I, I often like it when people talk about um, diversity, uh, there's strength in diversity. There's just like a diversity of thought. Like, I just love that. There are things that you don't think to do that pop up because of of all the different things that are coming in, and when you get to when you're just there and you're just sponging and you're just living and, and you're you're open to the good things that can come in, like little miracles happen. Little miracles happen there. I agree. I mean, I remember I started playing there like at a really young age. Um, my mom used to play, and then I started playing as a teenager. Uh, with your wife, like where she used to play on 88th Street, yeah, Kelly, and that yep. kind of like dust bowl, the dirt, uh, the dirt court people, like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And there was like a whole group of people I used to play with from like the age of 13 till like 16, and then I used to, and then I played at the hard courts before the sand courts that are there now. When I was when I was 15, 16, I used to play there, and then I, it, it was like a long time before I came back because I was out of town, and then of course I was in the Air Force. When I finally came back to New York. All that time later, like we're talking a dozen years later, uh, literally, uh, I finally like stepped back on the courts, and sure enough, you and I, you and I, uh, <laughs> we, did, we did a <laughs> wait, same master. <laughs> we wrestled, we wrestled, we wrestled to a stalemate. We we had all the same moves, and then just stopped. <laughs> we, we just laughed at each other from uh, the other side of the net, and yeah. just like. Just the fact that, you know, what was going on was like the, the, the battle of the your, who your was, who was the Your technique so-called... is good. <laughs> <laughs> the battle between Leo and Ren on, on like the, the banter between the two about who was... Who was... Who's the real queen? Can I, can I say it? There yes. Who was, who was the dirty, rotten gutter cunt and who was the royal cunt? You yes. know, Ren versus Leo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still remember the words said... And I just remember both of us like smiling and laughing to each other. Like, I love how ridiculous this is, right? I'm just like, I love how ridiculous this, this is. Yeah. We just kind of like did one of these, like, you see how ridiculous this is right now? I and ain't going to stop laughing because this shit is ridiculous. And do you see how amazing Central Park Volleyball is? Like, outside of that circle, there's no way in hell I would want to even be around someone like Ren. Okay, uh, so for for years, no, but for years we for years we were enemies. We would play New York Urban against each other. You know, I would um, play with Polam. You know, he play with Creole. So we were always on the other side of the court. But eventually, you know, next thing you know, I lived in Harlem at the time. We're playing spades. Him, me, Kenny, and Steve. We're playing spades twice a week. So, so there's it, that's again that's Central Park volleyball, right? That's there's no way in hell yeah. that that even happens without without um. The volleyball bringing all these people together. Leo? Yeah. Right, Leo? Yeah. Me and Leo are cool now. I couldn't stand that dude before. 
And then, of course, the two of them together, I'm like, something, there's no way these two are going to like each other. I, I, I still have my, I still have my awkward relationships. I know, uh, like, and I'll call it out. Cause Hey, if I can say it on, on the air, then at least I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna own up to my own shit too. It's, it's a podcast. Uh, You're supposed to say it's what a podcast, want. baby. Uh, there's between like, say for instance, like Ryan or Kenny, like, uh, we've always, we've always had this kind of like at an arm's distance thing, or like sometimes we're cool. Sometimes we're not generally, I guess this last summer it was kind of like let's let's just keep a little like distance and whatnot. And I understand like sometimes various things happen. Maybe there's a girl you're chasing that somebody else scoops up. And you you remember Pihana back in the day? <laughs> everybody that was pitiful. That was pitiful. <laughs> and, and I was just like, let me chill, let me chill. But then again, sometimes I don't chill. So <laughs> it's all hey, it's all it's all love, but it's all love. I mean, I mean this to every everybody Central Park. Like I love all of you guys. Like no matter what, no matter what, like feels like it's been beef or anything. Like I'll be honest. Like none of it, none of it matters in terms of any of the, the tension or negativity. And if this, if there's something I ever did to offend anybody, I just want to yeah. say I'm sorry. But I also want to say, like if you did something to offend me, you're already forgiven and it's okay. And cool. I love you. Yeah. So here's where I start calling out some people. All right, this is my you played yourself moment. I have a volleyball game, New York Urban, right? And um, I think we only have four people. It's me, Ren, Shadow, and Eater or something like that. And, you know, me and a, me and a couple uh, three Caribbean dudes. So we play four against six. So I'm asking Ryan, I'm like, hey, we're going to sing karaoke. What do you, um, but I'm playing volleyball first. What are you guys up to? Nah. Ryan's like, no, no, no. I want to do this first. I want to go home drink. And Kenny's like, no, nah, I want to play cards and this and that. And Pihana. This this fine ass smoke show from Hawaii who was staying with us for the summer. She's like, "Where's your game?" I'm like, "It's at John Jay College, right? New York Urban. They rent the gym out. You know, local colleges and high schools." Um, so she's like, "I'll go, right?" So I'm like, "Yeah." So I give her the address, right? So uh, we're warming up, and as we're warming up, guess who walks in? Pihana, right? But guess who walks in behind her? All three of them. All three of them <laughs> niggas, right? I remember that. <laughs> that said they weren't gonna come to the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so listen so so it's one of those things where everybody's like oh i don't like what this guy did i don't like what got, that guy did but for me i will listen to it but i will only listen to it because one all of y'all are my brothers and sisters and two it's just for my entertainment purposes because in that moment an example of one of many of where i could say you played yourself <laughs> it was pathetic it was <laughs> Kenny is my brother from another mother. He was there. He came that night. Ryan, Ryan, who just, you know, for a decade ago, just saw a woman and just eyes get starstruck. He followed him. Zacharias is like, hey, want to come play doubles with me just because she's a pretty face? Yeah, come on, let's go. And they got the gall. They got the nerve, the unmitigated gall to talk to, to go at Chris Sanchez. Like, he's cock blocking. Go kick rocks. <laughs> See, I let you off the hook. You ain't got to say it. I'm going to say it for you. I'm going to take that hot L if it's a L. But to me, it's a dub. I'm taking a dub, Chris. I'm accepting. Give me my dub. <laughs> Oh, so gravy. So but that's gravy. just an example of how hilarious our friends are. Uh, and and oh, we're all ridiculous. But that's for retrospective. Ridiculous. That's something I could look back and I could laugh and they could look back and they could laugh. That was, I don't even remember where you, I think it was like 2013. And I think it was 2013 because that was the last time I played with Ren. 
hold me, hold on one second. I gotta put my charger on. Good, handle that. I'm gonna take care of these bills while you're doing that. The show is brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. Watching me, watching you. <laughs> it's also partially sponsored, if I watch my language, by Beach Volleyball and National Events and for and by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. Come play with us. Or a family that plays together, stays together. Endless Summer Volleyball, Beach Volleyball and National Events will be back in June and we'll be back in July for the, for the showcases. Get Notice Showcases. Right. You want your kid to get noticed, think you got what it takes. The showcases are the second week of June, where you have as much as 25 to 30 beach volleyball recruiters watching it and a showcase. It's called Get Noticed. If you're already committed, it's a chance to show showcase your skills for your coaches already there. Um, and that's BVNE, Beach Volleyball National Events. Look that up on Google search at bvne.com. Get noticed. Endless summer beach volleyball. If you're around for AAUs or for, for Junior Olympics or for the national, U.S. National Championship or for AVP first and you're trying to get a workout and you don't have coaches um, in Hermosa Beach in Manhattan, California, look up Endless Summer Volleyball Club. We have the best coaches. We have Pompilio from Brazil, who's Jose Loyola's coach. You have Jeff Samuels. We have Rob McLean. And we have yours truly, Jason DeBeas. Um, our club leads the country in commitments per capita. So we have eight recruits. We have four girls going to SE2 Long Beach State, one GCU, and one Arizona. So come play with us. Chris Sanchez is back. Guess who's back? <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw I saw 5%. Now I'm charged. <laughs> 5%? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I had 5% on my laptop. I was like, I got to put this charger on. Uh, low battery warning. Cool. Uh, but yeah, all good. All yeah. good. Um, like yeah yeah all's fair and love and volleyball i feel like i want to write i want to write something one day about like um you know i i, talk, I remember i don't know if you know sven uh, i remember sven mentioned to me um uh, uh he's got a couple kids he's he's always he's training he's at chelsea piers a lot um talking about like we should make a show it could be you know about like relationships and volleyball and it's like you know it could center like from Central Park courts or something like this. I was like, yeah, those sound like cool ideas. Like those could be fun, obviously. You know, some people are more private than others, but. Yeah, but um, do you know what might've helped inspire it though? Did you see the documentary about Chinese nine men? Uh, I heard of it. I, you gotta I see it. It's I, only a I, half hour. I had a buzz about that, yeah. It was awesome because people that don't, for those of you listening, Chinese nine men is basically nine people versus nine people on a volleyball court, all right? Uh, they basically take a foot on each side of the court and extend it maybe six inches. You have five front row blockers. You have four back row defenders, all right? Um, if you play a ball off the net, it does not count as a hit and block counts as a hit. It is controlled chaos. It is amazing to watch. Um, go on YouTube, look up Chinese Nine Men. I actually have the national championship game, which was at American Sports Center in California a couple of years ago. And I have um, San, a team from San Francisco against a team from Toronto. And if you ever want to appreciate this fast-paced, full um, um, action-packed um, uh, elite athletes, um, I think you're allowed one, one non-Asian on each team. It's amazing. And I think if they could do that for Chinese nine men, we could definitely salvage some, some old tape and some pictures, Central Park Volleyball. My friend Bernard has tons of pictures and videos, and we could definitely just compile stuff and, and maybe, I don't know, just, just implement a theme, and then yeah. work maybe from the theme, maybe, maybe stream it that way. Mm, mm. 
you, you heard Bernard. You, you heard from Bernard, yeah? Yeah. That he got he got released and he's he's good now. He's good now. Yeah, I had a little chat with him. Bernard, aka Satan, was um, tested positive for the coronavirus, and he was in a hospital in Harlem where just yeah. people were dying around him. And when you're in a hospital in Harlem, I don't mean to sound racist, like they don't take care of black people or nothing. You in that hospital, it's almost like, all right, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna die, and I'm I'm gonna die alone because you can't go in this thing with your family, you know. Oof. Uh. Yeah, look, it's New yeah. York, and if you had more deaths than California almost has cases, at some point you're going to know someone personally that tested positive. Maybe not someone that it's died, true. but you're definitely going to know true. someone that tested positive for it, and that, that was our guy. And, you know, that was the guy yeah. who was explicit about it. I don't even know, or, or, or that, dis, that disclosed it. I mean, some people keep that private, you know? I think, yeah, I mean, I think we easily have, like, over a dozen people mm. that that many of us know at least for us in new york not necessarily just in new york but like worldwide and and it's much more connected we're definitely getting like a really um more global sense because it's a global pandemic so it's a global understanding of like what's going on in the world uh, at the same time so like it's been like no time than other to really like look back reflect and also reach out to those that that matter uh, I really appreciate you making this call, especially considering the times, because, uh, you know, it is really great to reach out. It is really great to um, and thank you for having me today, because no. it's really no normalcy um, is the key for me. The, yeah, pod, the yeah. podcast brings a sense of normalcy um, and uh, definitely my viewership's gone up. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss socializing. I certainly do. It's like you get you get such great socializing just being there at the courts, you know, at least opportunities to chat about whatever you want to chat about a lot of times and you, you don't have that sense of community uh physically right now and so that is is a big adaption of course that we all understand and uh you know your podcast is, is helping a lot of people do that i feel so thank you for for that jay no doubt at what point do you think people like in California, when they said just practice social distancing, they thought we would be responsible adults, and we were. You know, we got the whole six-foot thing and this and that. And then that that news broke out when they showed a video of uh, the people on the beach in Florida, and it looked like spring break, for Christ's sake. Yep. All of a sudden, everything got locked down. You know, I went to the Strand one weekend uh, when we were doing social distancing, and the weekend was the most activity, and, 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 and even then, the crowd got tight. So people trusted us to behave like adults and because we didn't, now they're treating us like babies. And that's, yeah. that's what's going yeah. on here. The, the, the yeah. real, realistically, we cannot stay in our house for six months and still, and, until a vaccine is created. That's not, I'm not trying to get political because I don't even, I, don't, I mean, people call me a fence sitter because I don't, I don't take this person's side about everything, that person's side about everything. Um, but hey, with the fence is where you need to be sometimes. But, but with that being said, realistically we cannot be in our house forever when and we can't just the it's at our door this virus is at our door and if we open the door we're going to get infected that's what they're making it sound like so just don't open our door a week goes by months go by what the hell no you have to there are certain things where you have to let it run its course and be intelligent i think social distancing or quarantine should turn to quarantine yeah. You know what quarantine? <laughs> Tell me what quarantine is. Go ahead. Come I mean, on. For, well, first off, it's not, it shouldn't be social distancing. It should be physical distancing. Right. Because we should still be social. And uh, secondly, 
uh, yeah, uh, quarantine. Absolutely. Like I actually made some jokes to some friends uh, about like how it's a time for us to be more lovey-dovey in, in a certain way. Would you be my quarantine? I said. <laughs> and but the quarantine thing is really about um, yeah, like you you gotta you gotta you gotta build the foundation of, of communication. It's good. But we also we also did like as veterans, we, we have a lot of things that we grew up on, you know, freedom isn't free and there's certain rights that we have that that you I give mean, up when you join. We're we're not yeah, exactly. As to, to be able to have it when we got out. Um, and which we're, you know, doing now. And I'm I'm happy that I'm using I'm using a benefit to go to school again. I'm getting paid to go to school because of the ben- because of how I you know, honorably served my country. And um, Is it V Rap? Uh, it's a voc oh voc rehab voc rehab okay. vocational rehabilitation because yeah, VRAP yeah. is Veterans Retraining Assistance Program, um, which that's pretty much what it is. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. So thank you, Barack so, Obama. <laughs> uh, well, well, I I claim I claim depression as my disability. I took uh, some very strong uh, acne drugs, Accutane and Amnestine, uh, for like two years, which I have to admit did leave me a bit chemically imbalanced. So I seem a little crazy sometimes, but. It just may be a slight bit of bipolarness, uh, but, but you know what? I deal just fine. <laughs> I deal just fine. All right, you know. Somewhere out there, like the side effect is cock blocking. <laughs> the, the side effect is da- dancing as a banana. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> but you know what? You know, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to have a career and and do things well and. Uh, be, you know, a productive individual and make paintings fall off the walls, but then, but then putting them right back up yep. and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, my, see, see my, see, see my thing behind me. My thing just fell down behind me. <laughs> that's why I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, quarantine. That's a, that's a, what, what does that mean to you? Actually, I should, I, I'll give you an example of quarantine. Rob McLean and I have a, a, a segment from the option we call sports debate Tuesday. All right. He was in studio. We pre-recorded Monday night or Tuesday morning, and we would get all the highlights. Brent and Miranda would tech the show. Um, he is not has not tested positive for coronavirus. Miranda, who's his roommate, has not tested positive for, for coronavirus. Uh, they've quarantined themselves for almost a month. I have, so why not just come in studio and do the show? That's quarantining. You know, like yeah. a bunch of people who are not infected um, just... Practice social distancing uh, with each other for two weeks, and if no one tests po- tests positive, then you're a team. Quarantine. So absolutely, yeah. I, I, I very much agree with that. Like we, we, we need to we need to be able to be responsible to ourselves. Like like you said, like it, it's not that we're supposed to be treated like babies. We don't we don't need to treat ourselves like babies. Uh, I have I have a uh, you know. Um, a meet up with a friend to have a socially distanced walk in the park on Saturday. Yeah, uh, that I'm looking forward to, and uh, and it's it's really it's really you know necessary to get that time in. Also appreciate the out- great outdoors, get some vitamin E, and uh, and do the things that you love. Um, uh, certainly, it's it's an adjustment, and it's an adjustment that we're all making. So I think. I think it is good that we've made the adjustment, uh, all of us, to some degree, some way, somehow, because we had to, uh, to be quarantined, to be more shut in. But um, there are a few friends. I don't know if you know um, 
I, I don't know if I should bring him up because he might be private about it. But there's there's a friend or two who are so worried by the news that they do not leave home for anything or for anybody. Yeah. And I I worry about them more than more than most. And even if I have my own problems that I'm t I'm telling to some people when I talk to them, I'm like I just got to focus on this person because they need they need the most help right now. Um, and uh, really, really, it's just it's just a uh, it's it's so important to like be social, not social distance. I feel like, unfortunately, we we coined the wrong phrases with what we're supposed to do. Social distancing. I want to I want to really change that to physical distancing. Like social needs to happen. We all have a need to be social with each other, um, especially to grow our and and maintain our our desire to collaborate. And if we're going to have an economy, obviously, again, as a country, it involves socializing and collaborating, doesn't it? It involves yeah. working together. Yep. Um, so we need to keep working together um, in ways that is inclusive. I think it's I think the best thing that's that's why I like Central Park is uh, there's a lot of in inclusivity, um, you know, within such a wide array of people and um, Outside of that, you know, in terms of all the other circles that I that I'm that I'm in, and also that my friends are in, from what I sense that they're experiencing and what I'm experiencing, making friends at school, uh, even though it's a video chat, we can't wait to have like barbecues at my friend my friend's place for, who I met in school this week. Uh, I said make sure to bring veggie burgers because I, I went vegetarian a couple months ago, and um, yeah, big I know big thing, yeah, yeah. Real deal. I know I'm slim. I know I'm still slim. Hey, so maybe a little. Listen, but, uh, whatever makes you happy. Quality of life, sanctity yes. of life, and quality of life. We good. And it, energy is good, and I don't have any like body odors from meat, so it's okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh uh, shit. You know, it's, yeah, people, smell like people, a pig. People smell like what they eat sometimes, so you know. It's just true. The fuck, man. So, and, so what? Asparagus is off the table. Then, what's they're up? Washing their ass. They're not washing their ass. It's a little both. Asparagus. <laughs> so, asparagus is off the table. Then we ain't doing that. That's not one of the vegetables I like to eat. <laughs> Unless I'm doing an Adam Sandler bit, like after mm. this, I'm talking about maybe some white asparagus. Those are delicacies. I um. <laughs> well, to, listen. What you? Eat, I mean, that's the other thing that kept us young. I. Don't I? I don't take medication for anything. I don't even take aspirin, unless mm. it's like Cipro. I have, unless it's designed to save my life. Like you have to take the Cipro, or we got to chop up your arm. Then I take medication. But better eyesight. And this food's for that. Uh, um, foods that uh, that help increase your uh, maintain your testosterone level. Level that's Brazil nuts. Um, I've foods, foods that are high in iron, raw spinach. Have raw spinach, um, red meat does that as long. Um, like Joe Rogan, he actually hunts his own venison, so it's not like he you could you could do a factory farming thing on him. He hunts what he eats. He has he has a freezer where he, he so he practices what he preaches. So, so for me, yeah, everything I do, the like if I need vitamin C up and or if I need this or vitamin K, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna find out what food uh, has that, and I'm and I'm gonna go for broke on that. And it's worked for me. My boss wrote a book. My, my old employer, Dr. Isidore Rosenfeld, world-renowned cardiologist, the doctor with the stars. He's my first job out after um, the military. Um, he saw my resume. He said, okay, good enough to serve in the army, good enough to work for me. That's an old school virtue, which we can, which doesn't exist anymore. 
And um, he wrote a book called Doctor, What Should I Eat? And, I, and I, I'm good for that. Top 10 fat burners. I know avocado is number one on that list by most medical professionals. Um, dark chocolate, right? Cinnamon, um, eggs, uh, turkey legs. So these are things where I'm not going to like be a complete vegan or a complete ve- vegetarian if, if the food I'm eating is going gonna, is gonna to help me with my quality of life. You oh, know no, that's I mean? absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely right. Absolutely. I mean, right? So, come on, I, I'm. You know how I'm old school. So part of me is like, oh my god, being a vegetarian is yeah. an excuse to be a snob or whatever. But I'm not. I'm not going that right. I'm too old for that. You know. I mean, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate. It. I mean, it's it's new for me, but at the same time, um, I, I think about this. Like Earth Day was recently. Uh, I'm an avid National Geographic reader. We got and it. This has two sides. It's the optimist's guide and the pessimist's guide. Uh huh. We'll put so, that more in the middle. Put that more in the middle. We're on split screen, so bam. All right, cool. And it's and upside down. <laughs> oh, right side it. up. <laughs> it's right side up. I gotta flip it. I there it is. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Look like George Bush reading the book to the kids. <laughs> so uh, this book says um, Mary had a little lamb. Uh, yeah. Oh, so Andrew Dice Clay? No. <laughs> Uh, Mary had a little uh, lamp she kept in her backyard. <laughs> when she took her panties off, his woolly cat hard. <laughs> Good old mother goose, remember her? <laughs> I fucked her. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, indeed, yeah, I, I, I still am, but I am minded, and, and certainly California is like head of the game in the U.S. Uh, and like thinking, yeah, of course, Earth Day originated there. And, oh, know, it did. Do- being, you know, recycling and bag use of bags or the bag tax and other things to to really uh, look ahead at how to you know preserve our environment and things like that. I think it's 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 a great time to think about those things and more important than ever now. Um, Why don't you uh, just take some disinfectant and some Lysol, just put that shit in the needle and stick it in your arm? We'll be all right. Just, thanks, Trump. <laughs> yeah. It's like Motrin in the army. Remember, remember, like any fucking ailment you had in the military, just take some Motrin, right? You got a headache, Motrin. Your leg falls off, take some Motrin. Put a leg, put your leg back on. It was, it was like if in case, in case you don't know that reference for people out there, it's kind of like the big fat Greek wedding style, where you just put Windex on everything. Yes. So same, same stuff. Oh, you had a pimple. Oh, just put some Windex on. It's better. Yeah, no doubt. Well, for for everybody listening, uh, let's whether you like Trump or you don't, let's be real. That's not what he said. That's not what he actually said. He, what he, what for, for the people that that don't that only listen to CNN, listen to this. He, the doctor, talked about how like on surfaces, Lysol and disinfectant can can combat and remove it within seconds. And Donald Trump, you know, in a conversation is like, man, too bad. Any, you know, any way we could we could like put that in the needle and put that in humans. So then they're just looking at him like, no, or whatever. All right. So 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 what happens is CNN hears him have that conversation with his doctor and then goes on the air and says Donald Trump is telling everyone. They, they spin it and they said he's telling everybody to stick needles in your arms. That's not that's not what he said. Would listen? Is he dumb enough? No, but is he dumb enough to make that believable? Yeah, of course you're going to believe it because he's a fucking idiot, okay? He's a moron. So, of course, if someone spins it in a certain way to make people think that he's saying you should do that, of course yeah. they're going to believe it because he's stupid. Yeah. But but be a little self-honest whether you like the guy or not. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Yeah. And he's also coming from a place where 
dude, we microwave ourselves to get rid of cancer. <laughs> How absurd is That's that? True. We that microwave true. our bodies to get rid of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even saying he's right. I'm not even taking a side on this. I'm fence-sitting for some of those people. No, I'm not fence-sitting. I'm keeping it real. Tell the, tell the truth. Stop lying to yourself, you know? Because people do that, right? In politics... Like Absolutely. if if a report came out that Trump had a little dick, they if you don't like him, you're gonna believe that, <laughs> right? right? There's nothing right. wrong with these hands, okay? Nothing wrong with the association. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's called negativity bias. Yes, that's exactly how it works. I haven't listened right. to the news in days. It's I, I had um I thought I had the coronavirus because I had like chest discomfort, so I thought I had a lung thing. No, it was from watching the news. I stopped watching the news. I figured out that um, I'm O positive too. <laughs> There's certain diagnostic things too you can do to see if you have it. Like take it. I understand if you take a deep breath and you hold your breath for 10 seconds, and there are certain symptoms that happen when you, when you when you're holding the inhale that might be symptomatic. And if you don't have it, then you most likely don't have the coronavirus. So, um, and also there are also a bunch of studies that came out of your O positive. You you combat the virus better than than some people. Um, nobody's spreading that because they just they don't want people the news to spin it and say O positive people are immune from it because right right because oh, if someone suggest no because if someone right because if someone suggests it then right come on yeah you gotta suffer with the rest of us <laughs> yeah oh my god mm-hmm. like we were just talking about Bill Clinton and we were like nobody cares or whatever like if I were a famous celebrity that you know Except the you know ER. the next thing on the news will be the next thing on the news says Jason thinks it's okay for you to cheat on your wife no say that i'm just saying nobody cares i said yeah i saw your post on on uh yeah about that and, and somebody's like oh you in trouble like yeah like the like uh the 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 four different like things that like you have the perfect woman if that post yeah remember that one <laughs> oh my god make sure all of them chicks don't make sure all of them chicks don't know each other There's, oh sure. hey, right right and, 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 I, and i laugh but at the same time people start being like no they want to dictate and troll on you and tell you like how to how yeah. to live your life and just like that, that you're not you're not allowed to laugh at certain things let him try 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 <laughs> like like Nas said take me out try 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 <laughs> you oh want to be me I'm actually gonna put it up um yeah. actually let me yeah let me put it up I'll actually we'll, we'll keep talking while I while I put that up first amendment rights first mm. amendment rights oh man <laughs> I'm not worried about freedom of speech I'm worried about freedom after the speech <laughs> <laughs> I want freedom after my speech, please. Yes, it's true. It's true. I think uh, what we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation, like it's liberating to not carry other people's backpack. Um, it's a combination. What we were talking about, you got to let comedians work. You got to let them experiment. You got to you got to let them go on stage and find out what's funny and what's not. And then if that's not funny, then, then yeah, you're not you you're not going to run with that. And if it, it and if it say, is and if it is funny, it takes a year. yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes a year just to develop your your voice for for comedy, like going to stand up throughout a year. Yeah, and so most if of those, doing it for a whole year, it's like. And I most mean, of those people that actually do performances, like Joe Rogan, does performances. Andrew Dice Clay, when he used to sell out the Garden and all these places, they didn't just do it raw. They would go to the comedy store or they would go to places. They would they would um, um, what what would you say, lab it out? They would you know kind of lab lab it. Yeah, yeah, they they would ad lib it. Kind of ad lib it out or, or kind of they no lab ex- i mean experiment what's the oh, word lab. for experiment yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure where it is I would work it out Shit. i mean i know what you mean uh, yeah i'm gonna put this i'm gonna put this if up for a second on the lingo i'll get on the lingo if i can get on the lingo 
All right, let me put this up. Let me zoom in. Um, all right, it says, it's important to have a woman who knows how to cook, clean, and have a job. It's important to have a woman who can make you laugh. It's important to have a woman who can trust and wants only you. It is important to have a woman who is good in bed and enjoys being with you. And it is absolutely fucking vital <laughs> that these four women don't know each other. <laughs> Right. That's the video. Right. <laughs> that is a hot water thing with, <laughs> with, um, with, um, I guess people, who, people who are neck deep in cancel culture. Yeah, it's it's fun to just see like what people from their own perspective will decide to comment on that. Of course, some people will try to correct you. Some people will be like, they'll just laugh because they they know that you're being you're just putting in some levity. And then there's like. Because, yeah, I mean, everybody has their own own, approach. Well, Chris, it's about individual, knowing the individual, and the delivery, right? Like, Chris Rock can make white jokes, but they know he's not racist, right? He's he's not racist. Racist in the classic sense of the word is um, someone, sorry, something's wrong with my mic, someone... Who, who has your inherent belief that someone's superior or inferior based on their race. That's not, you know, he's not up there. Andrew Dice Clay, he made a lot of homophobic jokes. He doesn't care about, you know, he's not anti-gay. He's just, it's a joke. The whole the whole purpose of the, the joke in, in the classic sense of the word is supposed to take something in parody that is so outrageous that it's funny, right? Is, is Chris Rock that person? No. Is Andrew Dice Clay that person? No. And do we all find it funny? Self being self honestly, shut the shut your fucking mouth. You do find it funny. You know why? Because the same joke that you thought was offensive because you didn't like that politician is the same joke you laughed at when you watched South Park. Don't play. That is Jason's moment number two of you're playing yourself. You're playing yourself. So playing it's a, yourself. it's about who's telling like the joke, and like it's a, it. and it's about the delivery. Because deep down in that place, under that place, deep there's a place under this place, Chris, where men and women get to meet and talk. All right, yeah. and that's that place where where everyone has visited. And if you never visited that place, I'm I'm sorry for you. Maybe that's not your thing. If you don't want them to do with that place, but it's there and it's real. All right, and sometimes it's humor and it's a joke. All right. You're, when you tell a joke, you're not suggesting someone should, should hit a homosexual in the face all right? and go bash someone. Now, when you tell a joke about white people, you're not you're not trying to say, oh, white people can't jump. All right. That's not I mean, that's just and, and some people don't consider that. I mean, consider that racist to me. That's racist. It's racist because it's it's basically saying someone's superior or inferior based on their race. So that's racist. But at the same time, not racially insensitive. So I think. At the beginning of this conversation, we were like, "You gotta let you gotta let comedians work, and you gotta you, and you have to understand who's telling the joke." You know, me mm-hmm. no harm. I found it funny, cool. I didn't find that funny, but I know that that's, that he ain't me no harm. Like Joe Bi- Joe Biden's like nuzzling people, <laughs> you know, kissing people on the cheek. He he's he's friendly, touchy feely like that. I'm not talking about the sexual assault allegation. I'm talking about a type of personality where you're like, "Oh, that's so inappropriate," and then then everybody's like, "No, that's Joe." <laughs> You know, so it's to me, it's just about knowing the person. Right. right. What's on your you. your agenda today? Oh, uh, I got some assignments from school. Uh, I have to look up uh, an audio engineer to basically be in a way a mentor of how I'm understanding. Like, what did they bring to the field? What did they bring to um, what I'm learning about? And also choose within because audio engineering is a very broad 
uh, term for many very more specific careers, like people who do mastering for certain types of music or uh, people who do original scoring for movies. Uh, so I have to get specific on different jobs as well and talk about um, some people that are in the field <clears throat> and then something that they've worked on that is very recognizable, something that maybe I appreciate. Uh, so it's a handful of stuff to do, and then I got a quiz on Monday. Uh, we're talking about things like amplitude and frequency, wavelengths, decibels, Al Alexander Graham Bell, you know, uh, Bell Labs, um, where all of this audio equipment has come out of Bell Labs in New Jersey, you know. Plug so them in. It used to be in meatpacking until World War One time, or just after World War One, and they moved in like 1930s New Jersey. So nice. Uh, yeah, picking up uh, information on that, and then uh, obviously I know something, so I'm sure I will do all right in the quiz. But I, I got some studying to do on that as well. And I feel like I want to go for a jog. The weather's not too bad. I'm gonna go for a jog by the Greenway. Yeah. Um, just do like just to break a sweat. Uh, you know, I'll do like three miles, not much. But just enough. Yeah, I ran Do a little stretch and I ran and, uh, on Tuesday, then, man. You know, Ke we run. Ke it. Kelly yeah. and I run twice a week. Um, it's two point two miles. At, at least we think so. I think it's a little bit more. Um, and for me, the first quarter of mile is when I want to quit. And after that, I could go all day. I can go eight. Then you're good, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just like, it's just like riding. You know, starting is is the biggest part of the battle. Yeah. It's like just getting yourself out there to do drills. It's just once you. 50% is just being there. Cadence. Then, uh, cadence has yeah. helped me. I yeah. do I do a military good. cadence when I run. Good, good. Hey, yeah. if that if that puts you in the zone, awesome. You tell your stories. When my grandma was 98. That's right. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. When my grandma was 96. She did 10 push-ups and then she did 6. See old lady walking down the street, <laughs> a rucksack on her back, jump boots on her feet. <laughs> the guy says, hey, old lady, don't you think you're too old? <laughs> you better leave that stuff to the young and the bold. And she said, hey, young punk, who you talking to? I'm an instructor at the Airborne School, and it's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah, twice a week I do that. Ours, for some reason, sounded kind of like like an Irish or Scottish ditty. It was like, so he called for his wife and he called for his wife and he called for his airman. So he, uh-huh. I have a three-day pass for this, for the airman. For a brave man, for a brave man are we. So he called for his pipe and he called for his wife and he called for his airman. So uh-huh. That is definitely the <laughs> Air Force. When I was in AIT, Chris, <laughs> the AIT, um, all four branches train in Virginia. Because it's um, uh, refrigeration and air condition repair, it's diesel generators, um, turbine engine repair. So the Air Force, um, um, this is around the Gulf War, uh, first Gulf War, right? So they're all singing, they issued me an M16, hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> they issued me an M16, hurrah, hurrah. So they issued me an M16, but they forgot the magazine and we'll all be dead by summer of 91. Fucking Air Force. <laughs> Those guys. And, and there was only five people in the whole platoon. It was a five-person training unit. Go ahead, sorry. I had, a similar, I had a similar experience. I was at Defense Information School uh -huh. where Muhammad where Muhammad Atta actually used to run around. Yeah, where was uh, your AIT? Is that your AIT? No, uh, so this is in Maryland at Fort Meade. 
Okay, yeah. Um, and Jingles, I don't know if you know this guy, but he said something that you will probably recognize. Good morning, Vietnam! Robin Williams. Airman Cronauer is, yeah, played by Robin Williams. Um, he exists, he's a real person, and he gives speeches for the broadcast journalists uh, on their graduation. And he's, he's still a character. Um, the, the, the school had like all branches, and Marines were across from us. So whenever they did their cadence, they're like, it could be like 4.30 in the morning, we hear him like, one shot, one kill, raw! And then, and we're just kind of shaking our heads and the usual silliness of like how we enter exchange. And it's all love, but we'll be like, junk heads, oh yeah. man. And we're later, uh, we're, later we're like, uh, very we sound a lot girlier we were like much higher pitched we're like air power a e f <laughs> like air expeditionary force <laughs> it's uh, like, oh, really? uh, i like leave them boys alone i remember we had like the two flights for for ours and ours were nighthawks and i had a friend i'd look over to her and i'd be like instead of saying nighthawks i'd be a goof i'd look over it'd be like we'd be like night hawks i'd be like tight Socks. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my God. So I have this really cool thing. Well, by the way, airborne school, the Marines got dropped for push-ups all the time, man. Oh yeah. They, they just, and they didn't care. They just like, yo, army sucks. Oh yeah. Do some push-ups. Recover. Yeah. And then recover. You still suck. All right, fine. Drop again. You know, recover. <laughs> you still suck. You know, <laughs> so you're walking away from them and then you're a hundred feet away and you, you just have to leave. Right. You tell them recover. And then you, from a distance, you guys still suck. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Fucking jarheads. Yeah, man. I love it though. So, I love, love I have this really cool thing. Um, uh, it was a political uh, uh, tease. I, um, basically, here's the thing. The joke is someone, the new guy in the motor pool, you like to pull tricks on the new guy, right? Um, you would um, tell him, listen, private, I need you to go to Charlie Company and get some G-A-Y grease. Go to Sergeant Troche and get some G-A-Y grease. I'm like, I'm like, are you listening to me? He's like, yes. And he's like, um, I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. I said, say it with me. He says, G-A-Y grease, right? I'm like, yep, go, go now. So he goes to the Charlie Company motor pool. <laughs> Sergeant Troche is like, you guys, you guys need to get some, you know, you, you, got, you get a life, get a life. So... I did this cool skit on what the four parties, political parties, would do about it. And I wish I, I can't find it. And I'm sad. And I wish I had it pulled up. So basically, it was like the Democrats uh, would make me and my partner go to sensitivity training. And they would isolate the guy, you know, who we, we, we sent to get the G.A.Y. grease. They would isolate him to an undisclosed, lo lo undisclosed location where he never gets hurt again. And we would have to apologize, write a formal letter of, of apology to him and to everybody else that heard about the incident because of their virgin ears. And at the end of the day, we would get kicked out of the army anyway because they forgive, but they never forget. <laughs> this is what the Republicans would do. The Republicans would be so upset 
<laughs> that this person, that our company ran out of GAOI grease, we would be reprimanded for running out of it. And then they would use said GAOI grease on the, on, on the private who was sent to get it if he had a problem with getting it. <laughs> The libertarian jokes, jokes. I like this. Yes, yeah. the libertarian group would be like GAY groups is an anti-social uses waste of time. And if you have people time, if you have time in the military to send somebody back and forth on a fool's errand, then they then we're we're wasting too much money on too many soldiers, and we need to downsize. Oh man! Gay now worse. the Green Party says GAY grease is is good for the environment. So <laughs> and it's pro and it is and um. And we need to have more of that in our lives. It was, just, it was like this life. long spiel. I wish I, and I'm looking for it and I can't find it. And I had it on my wall. I shared it with all my military friends. I could just imagine like a bunch of like back and forth, you know, like here, we'll give them this, spread this message about the GAY grace. Oh my God. And our response to it. I could, I could imagine that playing out and, and this back and forth errand runner and then like trading messages between them the, the two companies I, I could i could see that happening it was amazing it was Oh, because we do it all the time. When I was in a motor pool, um, we had gasoline engine uh, dr driven generators and they were like, um, sergeants like, don't forget to put the bearing on the muffler. And I go to my guy, don't to put the, you know, don't forget to put the bearing on the muffler. And my guys are like, looking at me, there is no bearing on the muffler. And I look, you know, I look in the corner and all the instructors are laughing their asses off. So it's, it's friendly fire. It's, in essence, it's a joke. Yep. <laughs> it's a joke. Yep. <laughs> yes. You know, calm down. Yes, indeed. It reminds me of Niels, you know, Niels, right? Yes. Oh my he's God. Always, he's always got, you know, these, these like well-told anecdotal kind of dad jokes that, that always, that he knows, he knows how to land it because he, oh, he lets you know that he's going to tell a joke and, and he's, he's, he's always got this kind of like, uh, Hey, I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out like a little bit, like, I, I don't know better kind of face going, he, he plays innocent to it. Yeah. Who, me? <laughs> little low, little low, innocent me. And it'll be something like about a prostitute or like a, a mistreatment of an animal or something like this or, or whatnot. But he makes it, he makes it into something like I don't know. It's just this is what you would mathematically do. It's like a very logical way to think of something that you wouldn't think to do. I'll, I'll tell one of his jokes because I'll, I, 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 they sit with me sometimes, and I'm like, this is nuts. And I'm probably not. I'm definitely not going to tell it. Yeah, yeah. Right. But <laughs> you're not going to deliver it the same way he does. <laughs> definitely not going to deliver it as well as he does. So please don't think that this is from from me and from from what I believe in terms of how to treat animals. But um, do you know how to make a uh, a cat wolf? Oh well, um, you take you take some gasoline fluid and then you light a match and woof. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that make a cat go meow? <laughs> And, uh, well, do you know how to make a dog meow? Oh, no. Oh, well, you took, you take the dog and you put it in the freezer and you take an ice grinder and then it goes meow, meow, meow. Oh, and I'm just like, God. oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, know, same, I had the same reaction. The worst jokes, the worst. But he makes it, he makes it sit with you because you're like, you just told me that joke and I, I almost kind of smiled. And now I'm and now I'm retelling it. So yeah. I think I'm 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 obviously mental. So No, but it's <laughs> no, but Neil, look, if Niels is telling that joke, yeah. we, we all sit there like this for like a whole second and then we start laughing. We're like <laughs> Yeah, it's the late laugh, exactly. I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my it's god. It's always kinda like but it's 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 like the um 
Michael Myers movie. What was it? Love Guru. It reminds me of Love Guru. And there's a there's a part in that film where he's talking about key. The key to uh, enlightenment first is distraction. You know, like he hits himself with like a broom when he's thinking about pissing or like he fools the opponent or I don't know. There's some kind of tactic that he has. And distraction is a key part of it. And Niels, Niels does that. He like distracts you from the fact that this would be a reality just from the approach he has to telling it. That's the genius of good, good construction joke storytelling. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, he's been around the construction sites for so long, you know, that, you know, and all the kids that he has is like, well, how do I raise him? I need to have a consistent dad joke. I think he mathematically understood he has to have a few things at the ready to provide levity. That's yeah. how he has all the kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, when I, when I, when I, when I worked in a medical practice, my boss, Dr. Rosenfeld, doctor of the stars, kind of whatever, there's nothing in the world when a Jewish guy tells like an old Jewish joke, uh, only told by them. There's a guy, um, I forgot his name, but City College. Um, he was part of the City College team in the 50s. That City College is the only team, basketball team, to win the NCAAs and the NIT the same year. And then they got disqualified for something they call point shaving. Point shaving is not what you're, you're not getting paid to throw the match. You're getting paid to win by a closer margin. So these are these are a bunch of broke white Jewish kids in the 50s playing basketball. It's extremely good players. And, you know, some guy from, you know, some bookie, some mob guy say, hey, look, I'm not asking you to lose. I'm betting that you win by X amount of games. And they they were that good. So he tells me this joke and bear with me on this. It's um. Two old Jewish guys go to Katz's Deli, downtown Manhattan. Big old Jewish deli, right? And it's Michael and Joseph. So Michael and Joseph walk like this. Their back is hunched and they walk sideways, sideways like that. And then one day, Michael comes and he sees Joseph come and his back is like this, straight, straight like this. And he's like, oh my God, you look good. Did you see the chiropractor? And he's like, no, no, no. I took some advice from a friend. And he's like, sit, sit, I'll show you. So he sits, he's like, you get your wife to go down on you. That's it? He's like, no, Shlemiel, that's not it. He says, no. He says, you, you put some whipped cream around it and you put a little cherry on the end and you get it to eat it up and your back will be, be as straight as mine. And he's like, no, come on, you're putting me on. He's like, look, I'm a back straight. <laughs> you know. So, so the next week comes, Joseph gets there first, back is straight, right? Michael comes and is still like this. He's still walking like this. It's even worse. He's like, oh my God, sit down, sit down. Oh, oh God, he said, didn't you do what I asked? He says, I did everything you asked. I put, I put all the whipped cream on and I even put a little cherry on the end. And he says, um, so what happened? He says, it looks so good. I ate it myself. <laughs> it's just, and it's one of those things. And it's one of those things like, I tell a joke and it's kind of funny, but um, if you're an old Jewish guy, and you don't see that coming from someone who doesn't even who you think doesn't even think about sex, but his delivery is just off the page. I cracked up for a week, for a week. And people on my job saying, "Jason, joke's over, chill," you know. So, um, <laughs> oh, but um, yeah. that's just an example of um, delivery, and and I guess just uh, like you said, finding your niche, finding your niche, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you're finding yours, man. You look like you're in a really good place in your life. Um, you, what was the film, What was the movie that you did with Liam Neeson? Or he's on the plane? Nonstop. Nonstop. Non is that what it was called? Yeah. 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 Actually, actually, is considered one of his better films too. Yep. Um, 
Uh, it was a really, really uh, tight cast. Um, before Lupita Nyong'o was known, like she was on that, you know, uh, Best Supporting Actress from 12 Years a Slave. And uh, also Michelle Dockery. Uh, she's, she was very professional, very like everyday um, from uh, Downton Abbey. And Julianne Moore. Uh, the, oh, the she's one of my favorites, dude. Yeah, fellow, fellow Upper West Sider. She, um, I loved her super sub on for Hannibal. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's great. She's really great. No. Um, and of course Liam, Liam being involved as he is and uh, um, taking his quiet moments before shooting, and his his stunt double who's like also a big guy, just just uh, <laughs> able to take certain falls a little bit better. Um, but That's the Liam job, did, right? <laughs> Liam did most of it. Liam did the, the actual action. It was just the run through that his stunt double would, um, right. you know, like times when he gets knocked out, he like fell on, Liam fell, fell on my shoulder. And they're like, uh, should we replace him? Mm-hmm. Should we need a step for him? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. It's cool. <laughs> um, mostly we just were asked to create turbulence by moving in our seats a lot. It was fun. Oh, was feeling that. That's cool, dude. <laughs> More turbulence. Like the plane's going to crash again. We got like a hazard pay because they like blew stuff into our faces, like you know, random bits of like newspaper and whatnot from like uh, these huge fans that they had staged in front of us, and we're just like, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll only see it for like a glimpse. So I mean, these are moments that happen so fast in the film, but they're necessary transitions to create like the real, you know, intensity of certain scenes. There's one time I look like directly at camera because that's what I was told to do. And it's supposed to be Liam Neeson look like, oh, shoot, they're all going to like, they're all going to believe I'm the one hijacking the plane, but I'm the U.S. Marshal here, you know, so. No doubt. I won't yeah. spoil any more than that. You should go see it. Check out Nonstop. It came out back in, right after Hurricane Sandy's when we shot. It was like a year and a half later it came out. So I guess that was 2013, I want to say. Yeah. I think it was 2013 it came out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was my that was my beginning actually to, into doing acting. Um, and you know, tried it out for a little bit because I was doing film. I figured within the industry, I've always loved performing, and I've always loved doing um, uh, doing. Uh, what didn't didn't matter which side of the camera. Didn't matter which side of the camera. Just to be involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live. I've been on. Uh, a couple times each year for the last couple of years. Uh, I was on the COVID-19 uh, skit. You don't see my face, you see like top of my head, but um, uh, Chris Red is announcing this um, the, at the Debbie Downer skit with Rachel Dratt. Um, <clears throat> I'm like a very quick, like on the side, but it was it, my favorite scene from that night was Daniel Craig making out through like this plastic and also having like a broom with a hand on it to, to still give affection, but from, six feet plus away <laughs> to uh, Kate McKinnon on the couch or, and, and maybe Cecily Strong was in there. It was, it was uh, I was like, Oh, this is for times to come. And this will be something that we should laugh about during COVID. And so I still think of that, uh, you know, now during the pandemic, cause it was like very much applying to what we, we knew what we were going to go into. Um, this was, that was the first week of March. I want to say, I think it was at the end of the first week of March that that came out. Yeah. So if you have a chance, check out the Daniel Craig episode. You can see what I saw that night, laugh about how 
um, <laughs> social distance distancing was looked at at the beginning of this. And I'm sure we'll have a very evolved perspective of it because we're all experiencing it together by when this finally passes, hopefully by the end of, by Memorial Day weekend from what they're saying. Like that's just uh, from what my school is saying, we might be able to go back to campus in June. Um, so now it's gonna be all telepresence calls, which means I could probably be doing anything at all while the telepresence is going. Well, that's Sixth Avenue for you. you. Got somebody yelling outside. Um, <laughs> losing their fucking mind. That's what it is. Yeah, losing their mind. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, and but yeah, uh, get yourself like a if 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 you want to look fly, look to my friend Arup Chervani. Place an order. Get a mask. Get a cool looking mask. <laughs> a cloth mask. I always With think a, of Michael look, Jackson when I think of them. Filter. See the mask. Yeah, Michael Jackson. You know. Get some rhinestones on there, one white glove, you know, whatever you want to do. Whatever makes you happy, like I said, whatever makes you happy, you know, if, if it's not hurting anybody, you know, that's all good. No, no Before. doubt. No yeah. doubt. Happiness is the key, my man. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> we almost went two hours. At some point, I think you got to pee. <laughs> I, I, I used I, I prepped. I used the restroom before we started. So Yeah. Good. Oh, I'm a guy. I'm me, and I'm just a guy that could just go hours. And go hours I know, without I, it. I used to tell friends, I'm like, man, I arrive to 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 Jason's place, and he'll talk volleyball for two hours. I'll say like two words, and then he'll talk another two hours. <laughs> Not to say that I won't talk too. Of course, I'm talking now. Like we're talking, but that's the uh, but that's the improvement I, I, curve, I love right? That. Sometimes I mean, I'm like, that's him, the but that's the, the but that's the improvement the, curve, right? Between then then and now, how much have I shut up? I've done a good job <laughs> shutting up. <laughs> I am not critiquing you to shut up, Jason. I want you to keep talking, but at the same time, uh No, but yeah, I say I, shut I, up so people could understand the the point. No, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Also it's tough on a, on on these calls, I imagine there's there's also an etiquette. And and I, I found when I, I had like a little telechat date, um, that people are really used to it they they know that they can talk over a little bit there's something in the volume called ducking that's a little audio engineering term um which is the volume lowers uh like say for instance in a mall or a shopping place uh you know you have your elevator music or your music that's going on in the place but then when the announcement comes on the volume goes down so you can hear the announcement and once this, the announcement button is untouched that volume comes back up so that's that's, duck, that's called ducking ducking yep um, and ducking is kind of what happens in telepresence when we're like talking right now uh, say for instance, you're talking or I'm talking and I'm trying to hear what you're saying. And, and we're kind of like, as New Yorkers, we talk fast a lot of times and we can, we can both talk at the same time and still be able to like, we know when we're in a moment where, that we're either agreeing or kind of melding in a certain way, then that's when like you can talk over with someone at the same time. Okay. And also one with the idea, just like you're picking up the rap in the cypher, you know, it's like. If you're freestyle rapping, you know to jump in. You don't just wait back. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta jump on in. So sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm like having been abroad and lived elsewhere for a long time. For as as for New Yorkers go, I'm somebody that waits patiently a lot more. Like I, I usually don't fight my own battles as much as as uh, most New Yorkers, I think. But uh, I, I have learned, I have learned, I must fight my own battles from. From more more so from relationships and life experiences. So, uh, I think there was a fortune cookie that said, "Save your strength for the for the battles you can win." <laughs> yeah. Well, there's battles I could win that sometimes I still don't say anything. Of course. And, 
And sometimes I think that I'm trying to impart wisdom in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've been more on like a, like I went to Thailand for the McKibben's cap, camp uh, in October. And after the camp, uh, I ended up doing, you know, like there's a yogi side of that same island that we were on. It was a beautiful place, this place called Koh Phangan in the middle of Bay of Thailand. Yeah. And there's this guy, Charlie, he's from, he's from L.A., uh, of Thai, Thai descent. And he is the go-to guy in Thailand who has permission to grow legal marijuana. And so he's been talking about like CBD oils and he's got this going and he's got like great connections in the volleyball network and stuff. And he's like a mover shaker in Southeast Asia area for like one, two star FIDB stuff. Like he's around um, and he's definitely like talking about what's going on. That led me to go into Hong Kong at the end of October for two tournaments on uh, what what's uh, if I remember the name of the beach, but uh, on an invite from friends through that tournament, you know, you just, from, from the training camp, you know, you, you train together for a week and you become friends for life. It's sometimes it's amazing the bond that volleyball has as a global network too. Yeah. And I've recently experienced how great that global network is. Like even trying to place this random Russian guy when I was in Playa del Carmen visiting, uh, to see a friend get married in Cancun. And I was like, I'm playing with this guy all day and we're staying on the court cause we're winning. I'm like, I've played with this guy or against this guy and I know this guy, but I don't know where I know this guy from. So at the end of the day, I was like, Hey, you know, it's been great playing with you and, and playing well. Um, I know you, I know, I know you, where do I know you from? And I listed a bunch of places worldwide, bunch in New York, bunch in this, you know, and in, in the, in the States. And then I finally jumped to, uh, do I know you from Phuket, Karon beach in Phuket, Thailand? And he's like, He's like, oh, and then he asked his wife, where were we in Phuket? I was like, yeah, I was there in January last year. He's like, eh, where were we, there? we were there in January last year. I was like, aha, aha. <laughs> I did one of those Eddie Murphy, aha. Aha. <laughs> I'll taste aha. the soup. Where's the spoon? <laughs> Where's the spoon? Uh, you, what you know from funny? So, <laughs> so just one of those, one of those moments that was, uh, like it's just it's uh, it's awesome to to do that and i and my my own understanding like not having done uh beach volleyball until until only like 2011 2012 a little bit in mexico before that but not like not like an organized thing and then central park uh you know with the sand courts put me onto it uh starting around 2012 when i like i'm gonna hit the courts i'm gonna do this uh so eight years now and in the last three I've been going abroad to play. And you I've said the playing. McKibbins did that in Thailand? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Madison and Riley. And Riley and uh, Madison's girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I like Madison yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah, they're both awesome. All, all three of them are really awesome. Um, yeah. They, they, uh, one of my takeaways was uh, Riley's, Riley's float serve was nasty. Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm going to learn to serve. And I, and I realized I'm, I was able to replicate it uh, this summer uh, a bit with focus, with focus, uh, going out there just to do serves, just to do serves a couple times. And that, like, I ended up using in tournaments at this uh, Highline Arena and uh, got second place twice um, for the double A. Really cool. Serve is king, man. Serve is king, yeah. my dude. Yeah. 
I mean, Madison has a good jump serve too, man. I saw him um, when he played Phil and Nick a year ago. Uh, the reason why there was even a third set to begin with was because his serve to space was creating a lot of um, out of system and this and that, and he got an ace, an ace or two. Uh, big up, plugging Madison McKibben in now because my when I started doing this whole TubeCast podcast thing, my very first guest, Volleyball the Tuesday After, my very first guest was him. So oh, it was sweet. Madison McKibben. Episode one was him, Betsy yeah. Flint, and um, the McCulloughs, um, Allie and Kevin McCulloch. So, nice. And then when he won San Francisco with Ty Loomis, um, ah, he... Ah. Um, he came. He came right, on again. Right. So he I lives. Dude lives right here. Man. I saw him in I the think, morning. I think he might play. With, something in my mind says he's probably going to play with Jeremy Casebeer, because I saw them in the morning running or getting stretching out to run or whatever. I saw them yesterday morning and I saw him yeah. this morning. I see him all the time because they live like three blocks away. You know, right now I'm in I'm in the epicenter where all these you know the ones that live in Hermosa Beach. Are you, it's yes, not you are. it's not uncommon to see yes, Ryan or whatever and this and that. And that's cool. I mean, me. I mean, I'm not that excited about it because um, I think my Brooklyn virtue just makes me unassuming. Like you're yeah. a per, you're yeah. okay. You're 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 an AVP or you're or you're an AVP champ, but you're you're a person. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and that's what makes this podcast possible. That's what makes the guests possible. I don't. I don't like I used to do media so doing media you you want to have them on and you call these people a hundred you know a bunch of times which to me I'm not comfortable with if I, if I called if I, if I reach out twice and you say no that's it that's a wrap you know Taylor I broke my own rule I reached out three times um, and Taylor was on the show too you know he after he won New York so it's not like he hasn't come on but I like that I'm not doing media anymore I like that I'm just doing this podcast because I'll ask and either you 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 say yes or you say no and that's it. There's not. There's that's no emotional not, involved. There's no emotion involved. There's no uh, validation involved. There's no oh why not this or that. Um, I I put myself in this position where, um, yes or no? Do you do you want to yeah, be on? Is, do you want to be on it? Yeah. Not, then say yeah. And if you don't, then be no. This that's it's all good. But what I will not tolerate, and I'm and I'm gonna let you come in on this in a minute. Yeah, what yeah. I what I will not tolerate is if someone looks at me and smirks at me like the whole notion of asking. It's offensive. I'll slap the shit out of you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a, I'll take this fucking chair and I hit you with it. So so that's the only exception I have. If you if it's not your thing, that's not your thing. If it's yes, it's yes. If it's no, it's yeah. no. But I yeah. but something I won't tolerate, and I've earned I've earned the right to to not tolerate it is the attitude. Well, that's good. I mean, out of self respect, don't don't put up with nasty shit. Nope. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And if and if somebody and if somebody changes their attitude and says sorry, that's okay. But you know what? Like that actually, what you're saying is very much about anybody's career. Um, certainly we're talking about career and uh, I'm, like, as you know, Vogue Rehab is, yep. is a career oriented uh, program for me on my end with audio engineering. We're already talking about like, hey, this is how, this is how you should like approach uh, employers or internships and whatnot. And also tell us if an internship's not going the way that it should because they do generally vet them. So you're not just running coffee, you're actually getting your hands on and, and doing things that you're, you're gonna take away from the experience. No, no doubt. Um, and and uh, certainly, like any, I've I've really been learning more than ever because I've been trying to figure out like how do I get a career. I'm like, oh, career is more about etiquette than I even realized until until this year that I'm actually really looking at it. And a lot of it is about, uh, and I and I realized I've been kind of a, a shithead when it came to it because I just didn't know. I didn't really like. I didn't know which questions to ask. I didn't know these were important things. We just think, oh, yeah, career services. When I was at Hunter College, was like. 
uh, have a resume and apply and uh, maybe a cover letter. And like, and then like, I've, I even forgot about cover letters. And then like recently was like, you know what, let me look at it again because it's what I've needed to do was to get by with what I had um, already with freelance work. But I was like, you know what, I want to push further. So how do I do it? A lot of it is, is, uh, you know, I already have good attitude in a lot of ways, but how do I put that good attitude in the right places? If you're fearful, if you're worried that you're going to say the wrong thing, you're probably not going to say anything at all. But, so it's good if you maybe journal, like, for instance, about an interview that you had or, or maybe something that didn't go the way you wanted to. It doesn't matter. Just like auditions for actors. Like after your audition or even after a performance or after, like, drilling, uh, if you're performing a certain way as a volleyball player, no matter what career you have, if you follow up with yourself and write down what's going on, that and you can and you can like uh, appreciate and record maybe your lower vibration when you come down off the high of doing something intensely. Obviously, the intensity being the interview itself or the performance or the um, you know whatever that activity was. When you come out of that activity, write down your thoughts have a lot more clarity when you have like a journal. Like I even wrote a journal after a date to say like what I liked or did not like about it to help me understand like, okay, this is, this helps me know what I'm looking for in a woman. This also helps me look at what I'm looking for in a job. This is what I'm looking for in an employer. This is what I'm looking for for myself in my sport. This is what I'm looking for uh, in my art form. This is what I'm looking for in things because uh, you don't, you don't know it until like, we don't know things until we say it sometimes. Uh, and, and then having said it, we're like, oh, we finally connect our ideas and thoughts together. But now that you've digested it by putting it on paper, it's a full pro that full process can can lead its own way instead of you remaining in some kind of circle that you're going to be stuck in by not going outside of that comfort zone to do these things. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. really enjoying like journaling more these days, like over this last year, uh, working on myself and, and better owning up my own stuff so I can be uh, mostly so I can really focus myself in the direction I need to go. Uh, like I've had some really severe career shifts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to openly tell you I got involved with a, a pyramid scheme because I thought I'm really good at marketing. I didn't know it was a pyramid scheme going in. I just thought it was internet marketing, you know, one of these things you get ads for. And you get sucked in because maybe you're in a low place. I was in a low place in my life. Um, usually usually that like January slash late December time frame is usually when I'm like my polarity is low. It's, it's like not, a, not an easy place. So I, knowing that about myself now more than ever, I can reach out to friends a little bit more in that time and be like, hey, uh, you know, keep myself occupied until I'm ready to come back with full force. Um, but I, I, I went in about 50 grand in debt uh, into this uh, internet marketing thing called Mobe, M-O-B-E, uh, based out of like Kuala Lumpur or something from some Australian dude. And it was just, it was bad news. I got more than half the money back by uh, uh, help, you know, fortunately mom's a lawyer, so we were able to, um, she was able to help, just help me with the writing for uh, how to ask for that money back. Um, and also saying that these are invalid charges because it's an invalid business. And as soon as I already started doing that, an FTC injunction was slapped on him. Uh, and I was like, good, because before I got too involved, I felt like something was wrong. And it, it got to jumped off a sinking ship. Yeah, yeah, and it, it got to a, like a sticky, really dark gray area, and and I was like, you know what, let me let me not do this, and um, and it was it was good that I, I worked it off and I found like a career to get by, but it was doing something I didn't really like, but something that was helpful for the future. Um, so 
so I ended up paying it off and now I'm back in school more focused on something I feel like I'm going to love doing. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing on the piano a lot. I'm going to be happy to share some tracks with you yep. uh, that maybe I'll mix one day. I'll have some things on SoundCloud at some point. Uh, doing like a little techno mix yeah. mix for a competition that's uh, due May seventeenth. And when you come uh, through in July, you got to freestyle for me a little bit too, okay? Oh, for my oh, birthday, definitely, definitely. And I I have a break, July twenty seventh. I think I have break or something like that. So uh, I might be able. To, that's Monday. I think I'm I think I'm going to be able to come just in time. So maybe so maybe even the third if I get my assignments and everything done, maybe that Friday I could be able to fly in on like Friday. Or something like that. Let's do that. We can yeah. come in studio. Yeah. I could give like you. A, I could give you a little a, a Raekwon, a little incarcerated Scarface's beat. Can hand, Love it. Can, or 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 just maybe shook ones. Shook ones is good. Shook There's ones. A, uh, that yo. Uh, so this group called Off Top, like they have kept me juiced, man. They kept me juiced. They had this little rap off, and uh, even if you're not like in the rap, it's just between two people. Um, they they had like this chat on Instagram live feed and uh, I'm just like sending them suggestions about what to rap about. So they're reading the feed and I'm feeding them suggestions and it's just it's just it's just so involved and so fun and so uh, definitely it's the hip hop improv crew. So you know you improvise what's being fed and the energy between everybody and it's really great. Um, uh, yeah, definitely will freestyle for you. Nice. All right, we're gonna we're gonna head out in a minute. Because yeah. right, now, right now I think I have a file that handles two hours and twenty six minutes, and we're almost there. But um, I, yes. uh, but Chris Sanchez, I want to leave leave um saying one thing for twenty seconds, and you leave me with one. If you have people out there who are working a nine to five, if you're not a nine to five person, do what you gotta do, man. But the first chance you have to get the hell out, get out, <laughs> get out. There's some people who are nine to five people because that's structure and, and and it's this and that. I was a nine to five person for seventeen years. I'm not a nine to five person. If you if you are if you are not a nine to five person, if 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 there is some kind of business venture, man. Life is so short. Just get out there and do it. Do it and fail. Do it and succeed, my man. And from my perspective, I'm going to share, I think it's a great time now to for self-reflection. Um, ask yourself the question if you're sitting right with yourself, if you're sitting well with yourself, um, and reach out to people when you need. Um, and within, like, for my own meditations, what I find, like, like. Looks like I just lost him in the moment of truth. <laughs> Chris, your thing just cut out. Oh, man. Well, too bad. <laughs> Seems like he doesn't get his. We just lost the signal. Um, and for me, I think it's a good time for me to close up shop here. That was Chris Sanchez, um, actor, uh, theater performer, dancer, entrepreneur. Uh, Zamba, Zamba, uh, Zumba teacher and God knows what else. He's a true renaissance man and a true um, um, student of every single game. Uh, got in the volleyball, became an instant player, has got sand hands a couple of years in. He's just a, an extraordinary human being and that's what I like to have on this show. And that's how I'm going to end it. Okay, for all of you at home, for Chris Sanchez, I'm Jason DeBeas and I love all of you to death, all right? Love you to pieces. So long. I'm out.
Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear. And that's it.